Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Show where every Friday we'll be covering another installment in a classic horror franchise. Go to weirdgeeks.com and Weird Geeks on iTunes to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details and news on our very own feature films, albums, shorts and more that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the film's reference and no infringement is intended. Geeks! 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 Hello and welcome back to the Weird Geeks Horror Show where every single Friday we take you through another installment in the classic horror retrospective franchise. Alex, guess what? I slowed down in that diatribe because for once we're doing a fucking classic horror show. Oh yeah. I'm your host, Del White, and joining me throughout the entire Blair Witch retrospective is Alexander Chud. Hello. And Heavenly Devera. Hello. <laughs> That's Heaven Lee Devera, just in case people are misconstruing. Yes. You have to include the Lee. Middles of the gap between the Heaven and the Lee. How do you spell the Lee? L E E. Yeah, well, there you go. We've got another guy on this podcast called Lee. Another guy. <laughs> We've got another participant on this podcast called Lee. So uh, I'm going to revert now just to call you Heaven so there's no confusion. Otherwise, people might think I'm just being descriptive about Lee. Sounds good to me. And we wouldn't want to confuse people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's very late. <laughs> Josh! Josh! Oh boy, we're dealing with the Blair Witch Project. If you're new to us, hello, welcome, head on out to weirdgeeks.com where you can patch out to all of our previous podcasts. You can always email us through there or by typing in on your Blackberry mail at weirdgeeks.com or fuck you at weirdgeeks.com. It'll get to us. We'll read your thing. We'll delete it. Who knows? Maybe we will email you and say, hey, why don't you come watch a movie? Why don't you come and say <laughs> fuck you yet. on the podcast? You can you mm-hmm. can record us a little message, email it to us, yeah, we'll and maybe it. we'll play it. Well, no, we won't definitely play it. Alex, don't promise things. But maybe... We'll listen to it. We'll we'll definitely listen to it. Uh, and then maybe we can collect a bunch and do a show where we just play them all and mm. comment back yeah. in a one-way conversation kind of way. Yeah, I love that idea. All right. I'm quitting this show. We're doing that one. <laughs> what else can you do? Yeah, you can also go to iTunes, type in Weird Geeks. Please do subscribe. Please do rate us. It makes a huge difference because we don't do any advertising. We don't do any banner ads. Patrons, and we're not going to fucking try and sell you anything that's like a, I don't know, Mushroom grow at home. Uh, Did you tune out again? <laughs> two weeks exactly in a row. He's just tuning. He's my fucking. He's my right yeah. hand man. Yeah, he lifts me up. He makes me look good. He's Not keeping to- I was you on thinking your toes. about the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> you know what? Technically, half an hour into your birthday, I'm gonna allow it. <laughs> That's my gift to you. <laughs> Thank is you. patience. Thank you. Um, we won't sell you any um, banana hammocks. Oh, if only we had a surplus of those. <laughs> don't even have one. Don't even no. have one. Uh, never even. I don't see one other than the movies. Yeah. A banana hammock. Yeah, probably good thing. Isn't it just slang for speedo? Is it? Oh, I've seen one. <laughs> <laughs> Take it back. Probably warm one. Uh, I was young once in, in, in the eighties and nineties. Email Spicy. us and we'll um, get those pictures to you. Mm. Mm. All right. Let's bring this thing back on the rails. If you're interested in uh, Blair Witch, you've come to the wrong place. Uh, yeah. no, you come to the right place, but also go back last week because we do the lead up. If you want to know how did they get to make the Blair Witch Project, we talked about it in last week's episode, Curse of the Blair Witch. Oh, you did an excellent, excellent run through. Thank you. Of the entire build up mm-hmm. from when this idea was a simple seed 
in Eduardo's and Daniel's uh, minds. So much foreplay was had. Mm. And then the, the curse, which we all seem pretty favorable about. And now this. We've made it. So... Let's catch up, shall we, on where we left off. We'll do a couple of tiny highlights mm. as we go through from last week. But I really do recommend you go back and at least listen to the first 20 minutes of that. If you don't, if you don't listen about Curse of the Blair Witch, then that's your prerogative. But if you want to know the full story of the Blair Witch Project, that's where you can learn every little detail. Picking up. Um, no, we're not going to pick up. Alex, I'm confused, man. My brain's melted. Yeah, we're, we're going to do what we up. normally do. We're going to look at the box office yeah. of that year. It's 1999, which means we're going to look at the worldwide box office. Yeah, we're going to see what the landscape is. Top 10 films and anything else that you just want to like throw in there. Well, I will say, can I say where this film came? I mean, it's your birthday, man. You can do what you want. The Blair Witch Project came in at 14. Doesn't sound great, does it? I mean, it does sound great, but like not With as good as you think. With a gross of 248.6 million. Listen to that, Evan. Wow, that's inter- that's international included. Made a hundred and forty just domestically. Yeah, that's a lot of money off of a. That's a big return. Sixty thousand dollar investment. <laughs> yep, big big return. Um, so jumping into our top ten, coming in at number ten, Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. I will actually have a... You know what? I'll throw in when we're we're going to get to a blow with stories in a minute, and I can throw in an Austin Powers story. This is the second nice. Austin Powers, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Are you aware of Austin Powers, Evan? I have seen the Austin Powers movies. I'm sorry. <laughs> Coming in at number nine, American Beauty. Oh, Kevin Spacey masturbating in a shower. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really great film. It is, but we're not allowed to like it anymore. I know. I was reading a thing <laughs> uh, the other day. Uh, number eight, is this a Bond film? The World is Not Enough? Sounds like a Bond film, doesn't it? Yeah. Otherwise, it's just an arrogant movie. I think this was sort of the uh, the tail end of the Pierce Brosnan era. Oh, I don't like Pierce Brosnan. No. I'm just gonna say you didn't even like Goldeneye. No, I like the video game. I like the great video game. I like Roger Moore the least, and then Pierce Brosnan's my second least favorite Bond. Interesting, but you don't really like Bond anyway. I'm do you? not a fan of Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in at number seven, Notting Hill. Oh, I used to live in Notting Hill. You did, mm. yeah. I would that? often. Uh, Pretend I was Hugh Grant and you were Julia Roberts and mm. it was quite the role play. No, wasn't it? Sometimes we switch roles, but yeah. Coming to number six, another Love role play that Al and I used to do, The Mummy. <laughs> yeah, That's my favorite Brendan role play too. The Mummy? Yeah. I went back and watched these recently, Brendan Fraser Mummies. Yeah. I enjoyed them. I know people do. I don't. At all. Cool. No, I don't like them at the time either. <laughs> I'll be honest. I want mummy films that are scary and no one ever seems to make those. No. You didn't like the Tom Cruise Mission <laughs> Impossible I didn't watch mummy. it. That looks scary for different reasons. <laughs> Coming number five. I want to clarify. When Heaven says she role plays mummy, are you thinking spooky Egyptian mummy or are we talking Oedipal complexes? <laughs> Edible? It depends Oedipus. on the day, the weather, and the season. Most often spooky <laughs> Brendan Fraser mummy. Like there I'd like go. to be Brendan Fraser and someone else to be. <laughs> The mummy. I like to be an Egyptian tomb. I'll Same. be the mummy in you. Someone can explore <laughs> <laughs> for treasure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number five, oh Tarzan. Oh, the the Disney Tarzan. Disney Tarzan. Oh, what was a great Phil Collins song? Because this was kind of cool because you had songs still in it, but they weren't really singing them. What do you? Oh, okay. You know I mean? So they weren't. There's a bit like a where the gorillas start singing, but then it just stops, and it's like this handover period of no, we're not going to do musicals anymore. Right. But there are still some songs in there by night. God, what was that great one from Tarzan? What were they look doing it up. in it? It's a great song. Can we number four? I'm surprised this isn't higher. The Matrix. 
Oh, really? That low? None yeah. It's all right, isn't it? It was great. Don't need to see the other two. Coming in number three, Toy Story 2. Coming in at number two. <laughs> we had nothing to say about that at all. Yeah. <laughs> I just rewatched Toy Story 2. I was rewatching them all for the new Toy Story and then I didn't quite finish, so I haven't seen the new Toy Story yet. You can uh, find out what Al thinks on our Toy Story retrospective. Come stop your crying. It'll oh, be sorry, just a little break. Right. This is uh, the Tarzan song, Phil Collins. Just take my hand and hold it tight. Being Phil Collins, monkeys in the background. <laughs> I will protect you <laughs> from all around you. <laughs> I will be here. <laughs> Don't you cry. Don't you know the song? Mm-hmm. Because you'll be in my heart. That was one of the first oh, movies yes, like, I go. ever watched. Yes, you. That was the first what? That was like one of the first movies like I ever watched. Oh, fuck you. oh my God. <laughs> they did the other one, the two, the two Worlds. That was a good one. How'd that one go? This is all this podcast is now. Coming in number two, the M. Night Shyamalan breakthrough film. Some say it was the beginning of the end for M. Night. <laughs> the Sixth Sense. It's a good movie. I'd love to do, we keep wanting to do director retrospectives. I'd enjoy doing a Shyamalan I'd be, I'd be up for that. Unbreakable, the best. Mm. Flat out. And coming in at number one, a film that jumped in my rankings. Star Wars. Star Wars. Which episode one, one oh, episode The one. Phantom Menace. The best of the prequels. Go back and listen to our Star Wars retrospective. You know what we should do when we do, because we're going to be doing um, Rise of Skywalker this winter. We had a year and a half break, but we're going to be doing that one. We'll bring Christina back. Oh, by the way, you're now in a pact. If there are any new Blair Witch films in the future, you have to come back and do them. Alex is sadly in a million packs. Life packs. We should bring in heaven for the new Star Wars. We yes, we should. We should have a little force. She may actually... Well, Christina's not going to come and watch with us. No, she won't watch it with us. Yeah. She'll watch it in her own private privacy. Yeah. She'll pretend to come and it'll be all upset we did something without her because yeah. of FOMO, apparently. Whatever that means. Are you listening, Christina? Uh, no, she's not. I guarantee it. But Heaven could come on and Heaven could join in as a fourth guest because Heaven is a big Star Wars fan. Exactly. And then she could like quickly do her rundown and then we could talk we'll about it. Slowly Newport. pick out Christina. Yeah, and we'll just gradually replace Christina as we're wanting. Wait a second though, guys. Are we going to get flagged for this? Can you it'll pick it up, won't it? Yeah. If I play it really quiet, just talk over it a little bit. Everyone will be happy. <laughs> what could sound better? This is Two Worlds by Phil Collins. Try and remember it goes. There's little drums. Yeah. Lights on the Oh, I love that one. That's a good one. He's got big forearms. Yeah, Tarzan. So, Star Wars made just under a billion dollars. Under Just under a billion. 983. Small pennies compared to nowadays. Endgame just became the biggest film of all time. Yep. Happiness. About that. Well, Avatar. Until the next Avatar I'm comes Avatar. out. Yeah, I'm, well, fuck that. No, no way. No way. Oh, never underestimate China. Yeah. Yeah, it could do it. Yep. I flip, I've turned around very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Illuminating as always. Heaven. All right. You've got some horror films that came out in 1999. Yes, I Because this is honestly going to be more important than normal. People might be snoozing through these bits normally. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and by the way, we have two ways to play this. You're going to get to pick. But this is going to be really important because Blair Witch is a turning point for horror in the 90s. Well, we've covered some, Alex, haven't we? Because it's We not have, just, yes. It's not really the year that it's important. It's the decade. It's, the decade. it's been a weird year. I mean, a weird decade. Not great beginning to the, in the early 90s. Right. Scream came around. Some slashes came out. But not yep. as many as you think. And yep. then people got bored of those pretty quickly. Blair Witch was the turning point. Scream and Blair Witch. They were the two. Well, Sixth Sense as well, I guess. Yeah. Now, Heaven, you can pick. 
Because she looks so frightened all the time. Because I'm not sure if I read this list from top to bottom or bottom to top. You can read it. How, you can read it in concentric circles if it pleases you. It's just merely a list of films that I've deemed a notable from that year. <laughs> uh, however, you can do it and request uh, me and Alex as well to comment on the films with some information about what each one is. Or you can go what is increasingly becoming a favorable moment in the podcast and then allow Alex to take all the reins. I'll lean back in his chair, eat some of my crunchy crisps away from the microphone, drink some of my, my whatever I'm drinking, mm. water, aquapana, the, the king of waters, mm-hmm. and allow Alex to take the reins completely. You know, because it is 99. Um, no, some years he doesn't know any of them and he's just going to make up the plots. Some years he's more knowledgeable than you might think from looking at that cherub face. You know, I think I'm going to put my faith into Alex this round and let him uh, let him name all of us. Hit me with it. What do we got? A great year for horror. Film number one, Audition. Audition, yeah. This is about um, a group of actors. They go out to um, this forest camp retreat uh, to audition for a film, but the director wants to make this horror film based on this um, witch's curse, and they read from this book, and it actually... Um, awakens this real witch during the audition process and instead of auditioning for this film they all get killed someone's gonna take the pitch for a future film for one of your (laughs) your ideas one day yeah yeah so that's audition one second there's a rule of no eating by the way on the podcast don't next film next film would be bats Bats, not a Batman film, as most people would uh, <laughs> think, um, but it isn't about the Dark Knight. It's about a bat cave in Guatemala. Actually, a documentary. This bat cave had uh, the spirits in it, and the locals believed that the bats could control the spirits, but because of environmental destruction, uh, the bats died out, and people feared that these spirits would um, basically destroy their town. Movie number three, Candyman, Day of the Dead. Ha, ah, Candyman. This is a franchise we may visit at some point. Can you I, I think, is it Jordan Peele's doing a new one? Who's That's doing a new one? Yeah. I no, I, no, Peele. no, no. It's even weirder, isn't it? It's fucking, um... Hang on, I'm going to look it up right now, because it's actually been made, the new one, so we might get around to it. So, Candyman, the first one came out, I want to say, in the very, like, the early 90s. Yeah, based on the story, you say Candyman three times... In the mirror, and he appears, and he kills you. It's got a female director, the new mm. one. Kind of um, like Bloody Mary. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan Peele's producing it. Yeah. I think we tried to play this game when we were, like, in elementary school. Yeah. Tony exactly. Todd's playing Candyman again. I didn't know that. This is the original Candyman? Yeah. Cool. Oh. <laughs> Movie number four, Children of the Corn. Children of the Corn. Or is this a remake? I've watched, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, more to it. Oh. Oh, Children of the Corn, 666, Isaac's Return. I thought that was a oh, whole different sweet movie. Jesus. I started watching the first one. I maybe watched 30 minutes and turned it off. Mm-hmm. I've never got this far in the franchise. A little ASMR for the people. <laughs> what else you got for me? Uh, Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea. Oh, that's a classic. Samuel L. Jackson and Heish. I think she's in that. Maybe not. It's basically about a shark, which they give a dolphin brain to. They genetically modify it and it becomes hyper-intelligent. It's that film, I think. She can't tell if you're telling the truth or not. I can't. I don't know. That one is a Hollywood's that stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, it was actually originally Jaws 4. Really? So, if we ever do a Jaws retrospective, I'd probably put that on him. Really? I sit back. I mean, it's no different to George. George. (laughs) Jaws 3D. 
You went to the jungle? Mm-hmm. From Dusk Till Dawn 2, Texas Blood Money. Oh, I haven't seen this. I've obviously seen From Dusk Till Dawn, the original. Oh, the first one, which is fucking awesome. Is this one also directed by um, Rodriguez? I don't know. I'm sitting back in my seat. I don't know. Just watch Dusk Till Dawn. Don't need to watch the sequel. House on Haunted Hill. House on Haunted Hill. This is the um, sequel to um, the House on Haunted Flats. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Why are you guys laughing? Yeah, about a haunted house on the hill behind the house on the on the flat, because they didn't. Well, the ghosts moved on to the other house um, when they exercised it. Colobos. Colobos. Colobos is um. I think it's Colobos. Colobos, yeah. Colobos. <laughs> maybe I'm being a fucking idiot. I've always called it Colobos. Yeah, it's um, it's about a uh, planet on the edge of our solar system, and NASA sends out a probe to it, and something awake awakens deep from this um, faraway planet, which then destroys the probe that was sent to it. And then these things start appearing on Earth and eating everyone. It's almost like Alex is reaching uncomfortably close to my groin. (laughs) Uh, I think you'll find that that's called a collar boss. (laughs) (laughs) I think I probably did say that wrong, actually. Lake Placid. Lake Placid, oh, I was talking about this today. About a crocodile in a lake. Yeah. Freshwater nice. lake. Heaven's more scared of fresh water than salt water. Yeah. I am. Because of Lake Placid incidents. Oliver Platt. You never know where he's going to be. Yeah. Probably in freshwater. Yeah. Probably. There are probably crocodiles in every freshwater body. Most my likely. Bath. <laughs> that too. Next movie, Lover's Lane. Lover's Lane. This is a remake of the classic film Lover's Lane. Um, about people... You know, teenagers in the 60s take their dad's big cars up onto the hill. I was going to say, where are we? Teenagers take their dad's... Um, where? Take, take their dad's car, borrow their dad's car, go up onto Lover's Lane. But like the classic urban legend, they hear something scratching on the door. A hook. They find a hook in the door and then they get killed the next time they go up to Lover's Lane. Basically, it's a warning for teenagers not to have sex. Otherwise, you will get hooked. So I'm only interrupting because not only number one is that 100% correct, (laughs) but number two, we will be covering it with Christina when we finally get around to finishing up all of our 90s slasher movies uh, in that series that we're doing. Because the the follow-on from Dino Urban Legend you did last summer series that we Mm -hmm. did, it's going to be tidying up those six or seven, whatever it is, 90s revival slasher era, and this is one of them. Correct. And you've just spoiled the story for yourself. (laughs) I can't believe that was a real movie plot. That's incredible. Wow. Um, I can't confirm the dad's cause, but it might be. <laughs> the Rage, Carrie 2. Is this a sequel to Carrie Carrie? Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> um, Sissy Spacek is already in her 50s, but still in high school, which makes her more angry. <laughs> so that's why it's called The Rage. She never graduated. She's pissed. Understandable. Ring two. Which one? Ring two. Ring two. Um, we'll be covering this in the Ring series, which I have nominated not to do because it's twenty five thousand films. Accurate. Starring Naomi Watts. Enjoyable. Oh, this is the original. Not enjoyable. <laughs> the Ring Virus. The Ring Virus. This is the one of the Japanese films. Korean. This one. Korean. This one. 
Not to be confused with Japanese, different language. First one in the Korean series. I think it's the only one in the Korean series. Only one, but you can listen to that in the future. Ringu retrospective. One day. One day. Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow, Johnny Depp, Christina Ricci, Horse, Man with No Head. <laughs> Greenlit. <laughs> Stigmata. Stigmata. Um, it's when your hands bleed. Because you've been crucified, or like you've been crucified, and you also hear head bleeds like you're wearing a crown of thorns. This movie is about someone that that happens to. It's true. Really? Yeah. Wow. You, you guys... know what stigmata is? No. It's when you like physically experience the crucifixion mm-hmm. without being crucified. No. You that don't have to be stressful. Jesus to have that fun, right? Yeah. Hmm. Wouldn't recommend on Yelp. Stir of Echoes. Stir of Echoes. This is um, another cave film. These five kids go spelunking into a cave and everything's going fine. And then one of them yells out something into the chamber because it's like a big echo thing. And then it's like, oh, fun. We're kids. Hello. hello, hello, hello. Woo, woo, woo. And then suddenly um, a voice screams back one of their names. Um, and then all hell breaks loose in the dark. Heaven is legitimately captivated. That actually sounded thought. really scary. I'd, I'd like to watch that. Yeah. Well, wish, Stir of Echoes, check it out. Wish, mas- wish Master 2, Evil Never Dies. It's tricky. Wish Master 2, Evil Never Dies. <laughs> this is about a genie, evil genie, who gives out um, evil wishes instead of good wishes. It's true. He manipulates mm-hmm. people's wishes. So it comes back to bite them, literally. Yeah. We'll probably get to those one day. I'm out. Um, yeah, you should be. <laughs> Heaven. Yes. Alex, thank you. I feel like everything has become much clearer, more opaque. <laughs> You're welcome. So amidst that mess, so what do we have really there? The Blue Sea was a bit of a hit, but not really a proper horror film. House on Haunted Hill was showing just how stale um, Hollywood was getting. Lake Placid was fun, but again, not really horror. Japan was starting to do some cool things. Ring 2 was already happening over there, but we hadn't really got them yet or started remaking them yet. Then you got a lot of trash. A lot of trash. Um, so not a great time to be making horror films. Heaven. Into that, Blair Witch comes. And that's why it's so important. People needed something. They were thirsty for something. And they would get tired of films. Particularly after Slasher Boom, it was like, yeah, let's do the 80s again, but with more money. And people didn't want that for the most part. Mm-hmm. Particularly horror fans. So this was like, no, let's go. Let's get gritty. Let's get dirty nasty the digital age is coming everything was about to get a lot cleaner actually in terms yeah. of how things are going to look so this is like a last hurrah and yeah the internet's around and like we said last week they, they were one of the first things to do marketing for a website and um, it did great for them because of Blair Witch came out they're on a roll and then they open in New York City on July the 14th 1999 um, again the day after Josh's Blair Witch mix came out and this was a CD and cassette which I don't think any... There's actually a song in the film. I don't think it's even on the CD. It's meant to be the cassette he has in his car. Mm-hmm. So it's just a fabrication of some songs. Um, I've heard some people really shit over it. I've been listening to it a lot recently. <laughs> I have a lot of great feelings about this soundtrack, but it might just be because I listen to it a lot at the time. But there's, some, there's like Bauhaus on there. There's some fucking dark, like, old tunes. And then you get clips of the of the film in there as well. So even, like, lines when they're saying it in the film, in my head, it's embedded from the clips in the CD where they, like say a word and then it like when she says like the etched in stone i think it like echoes out on the cd because when she said that i could just hear it going etched in stone etched in stone, etched in stone. <laughs> but anyway that had come out 
The creators went to their premiere, of course, and had trouble getting in because it was so packed. The cinema was displaying an exhibition of artifacts, the reels, the clothes of the dead leads, etc., to help fool all the viewers who were going. And then two days later, the film opened to 27 theaters across America. It made over $1.5 million over its opening weekend at just 27 theaters. Over a thousand more screens were then added within the next week. Wow. So it just fucking exploded. And over that next week, it made $30 million. Um, during its nine-week run in America alone, the film made, as we said, over $140 million with an extra 100 through international. But that would come later. So, our own personal stories. Heaven, mm-hmm. you've seen this before. Yeah, I saw you, it when yeah. I was 15. I was sleeping over at my friend Sarah's house. We were drinking a little bit. Felt very cool and edgy because her parents were home and, you know, sipping on some stolen mini airplane vodkas. Yeah, and you stole it as well. You're not just breaking the law by drinking it, you're stealing as well. I'm not proud of who I used to be, but I try to move forward every year, every day of my life. I'm glad you're just, I'm glad you're just like admitting all this on public forum. Um, I like to be opaque. <laughs> <laughs> and... um. I remember watching it, but also like I don't like thinking back. I don't think we finished it because we got in trouble for drinking our stolen miniature vodka. So, and you don't think you finished the film or the bottles? Uh, both. We got in trouble before either was finished, so it was quite an incomplete night. I just put his foot on my phone. <laughs> Look, I know it's your birthday, but there are lines. <laughs> Sorry, so you didn't finish drinking. You didn't finish the film. Mm-mm. Unsatisfying night overall. Then, mm-hmm. where do you think you got to? So was that that was the last time, first and last time you watched it? Mm-hmm. So you'd never seen the ending of this movie? No, I think we got to when they started like... No, we didn't even get to the really scary parts, I think. Okay. I don't even think we got to the the, the bundles. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So you kind of hadn't seen it, really. Because mm-hmm. wow. with like every found footage movie, the last five minutes are everything. Yeah. We'll get there. Alex, you've seen this movie before. Tell I have seen this movie. first time. The first time, um, so as I mentioned in last week's podcast, I had been absorbing all the excellent marketing ploys they'd used, the website, Curse of the Blair Witch, all that stuff they dropped. I was really, really into it before it came out. And my friend Nick, who some of our listeners may remember, I've mentioned a lot in the Star Wars podcast, he was also into it and we were getting very pumped and excited. So we, we were 14 at the time and we bought tickets to the opening midnight session in our hometown of Newcastle. And um, yeah, I went to watch it together, not really knowing what to expect, still very much unsure whether we were watching something real or not. And I think that was the kind of energy of the the audience I remember at the time. It, it felt like there were people there that were absolutely certain that it was real others that knew that it wasn't um, and, and sort of Nick and I maybe sort of sitting somewhere in between of that. Yeah. And I just, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen up until that point. I'd never seen a found footage film. I'd never seen something that, that felt so confronting and real. And I'd never seen a horror film where, where there wasn't any blood or any deaths or like any visible kind of violence, but it was all about that sort of tension of what you didn't see. And the sort of psychological breakdown of these characters. It, it really affected me. I remember going home and having nightmares. Um, mm-hmm. Very specific kind of camping nightmares that I still remember very clearly. Was it of Heather just shouting at you obnoxiously? 
No, it was like of me and Nick camping and it all just sort of going to hell. Yeah. And then since then have watched it, gone back to it many, many times. This is the first time in a while though. So yeah, it was really awesome diving back in. So I'm going to throw in a quick free Austin Powers story, like I said, because it slightly ties in. I was, and now I do have to date myself, I try not to. I was in America when this came out. So I was traveling. I was, what was I? Okay, so yeah, I would have been 19. I guess. Um, and I had come to America with my girlfriend at the time and some friends and we're driving up and down the East Coast. Um, my Austin Power story being folded in was that a few years prior, I'd had an online dating kind of scenario with a girl that I'd met who was, uh, sounds made up, was a cheerleading model, <laughs> which is a dude in England who like no girl was interested in me. I, I think like, you were one of the first people to be catfished. <laughs> this, oh, no, but honestly, this was the thing. Because I was like, you didn't even think about catfishing stuff in that point. I was always mm -hmm. like, 100% would have. And she would send me photos and just like, it was really stupid. And But I'd ring her up a lot and we'd talk on the phone all the time. And then I'd send her flowers and her mum would have to talk to me on the phone. And go, what are your intentions for my daughter? And I'm like, well, for starters, I'm on a different continent. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to worry. I'm not really even old enough to afford flights. So my mm -hmm. intention is we're going to talk on AOL, basically. And then, yeah, we just kind of drifted apart. But then I went on this trip with my girlfriend and it had been like a couple of years or whatever. And this girl had been like, you should come and like visit me. I'm in Georgia. So we drove. I went with my girlfriend down. Well, I think we took buses and trains or whatever. And we went down to Georgia to this dirt fucking mall in the middle of nowhere to meet this girl who I actually can remember her full name, but I won't say it, uh, which I just realized that's weird. I can remember her full name. And she was there in this mall with her friends. And I had, I have long hair now, but I had a long period where I didn't have long hair, but I did have long hair back then. And nobody in Georgia at that point had long hair. Every guy you saw was like army shaved fucking head. And the first thing they looked at me was just like disgust. They were just like, why do you have long hair? You're not a girl. <laughs> I was like, all right, Georgia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Great. And then all they wanted to ask me was questions to do with Austin Powers. Because Austin <laughs> Powers had become so big. And obviously the video was then out from the first yeah, yeah. one at that point. So they just want to keep asking me genuine questions. Like, do the policemen really wear those hats? I was like, yeah, some of them do. Do they sing and dance in the street? <laughs> like legitimate, <laughs> legitimate questions. Like, Man. yeah, yeah, they do. That's what we <laughs> do over there. Thought crime yeah. in the UK, song and dance. But while I was there, we started seeing these posters. I think it was in Newport um, on the East Coast uh, for Blair Witch Project. There were just a few posters up at the cinemas of It's Coming. And I guess it would have been July the 16th or 17th, whenever it was, that it was coming. Um, and there was this, and I remember it was such a, it took a time for me because I was into Dawson's Creek and Newport on the East Coast was kind of like, Daw like Dawson's way. Creek. Sorry. No, please. Anytime. <laughs> um, but it was like that. And I walked down at nighttime at like 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. And you could go to the CD store, which also sold comic books. And it was like, we didn't have that stuff in England at that point. It was mm -hmm. so exciting to do that American thing. And I went there and I bought Josh's Blair Witch mix CD and I had my Discman. So I'd walk around listening to Joseph's mix CD on my disc, man. And it must have, from the timings of what I'm seeing now it came out, it must have been the day it came out that I bought it. And I didn't realize it had just like gone into the shops. And inside the CD, it had a thing on the back of it literally saying RIP um, to Heather Donahue, to Josh, and to Mike. And I hadn't seen Curse of the Blair Witch. Uh, I'd seen like one trailer basically for it on the TV um, spot. And it fucking you thought it was 100% real. Yeah. Like it was at that point where it was playing in 27 theaters and that's it in all of America. And we, I went to New York, me and my girlfriend were like, oh, it's playing nearby. I think we missed it the first day or two. And then we went 
which apparently was almost impossible to get into after those that first weekend when it blew up it was like so hard to get in because then everybody wanted to go but it was just in that first sort of burgeoning mm-hmm. point yeah like from that cd we then went to the cinema that cinema had the artifacts it had the clothes oh, no. of them supposedly dead in canisters it had the film reels it had like all the stuff that was getting passed from particular cinemas to cinemas so you walked in you're like oh fuck all right <laughs> i've been listening to the Shit. cd it said r.i.p you got these things like i'd looked on the website briefly and pulled through stuff it looks 100 yeah. legitimate part of your brain's going it can't be real yeah but at that point you're not being lied to by hollywood as much or mm-hmm. not for a long time mm-hmm. um and i remember going in sitting down watching the film it was one of only two times in my life watching a film where I bit through my thumb, like I was bleeding from my thumb by the end of the movie. Completely freaked me out. Sat there at the end, just watching those long, long credits, which we'll get to because there's a reason they're so long. And then finally see that last paragraph where it's like, all oh, characters are fictional and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, oh, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> and my yeah. girlfriend was smarter than me. She was like, of course it's not real. And I was like, well, I know now I know. Of course it's not real. Uh, yeah, I knew that. But part of you <laughs> is like, I really think this is fucking real. There was a lady about three rows in front of us. Uh, ambulance had to come and take her away. Because really? she went into like a panic attack wow. by the end of the film. So they had to come get her and like help her out and get her to the town. I, I think she was fine, but it was just like really shook her up that much. Because if you didn't know that it wasn't real, then you're basically watching a snuff film. Yeah. Essentially. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Without seeing the actual kills, you're watching a snuff film. And there is, and people quite often, you know, ask me, I'm a big horror fan, and people say, okay, what's your favorite horror film? And I have to skirt around it because I'm like, well, I love The Orphanage, I love yeah. The Descent, I love like, you know, it was, but The Blair Witch was, nothing will ever affect me like The Blair Witch did because you can never again see a film thinking it's real. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can't nowadays. So that was a very particular thing to do and it fucked me up. It really did. It was, it was a monumental thing. And then come back to England and telling everyone about it. Oh my God, you got to see The Blair Witch. It took six to seven months, I think, before it came out in England. By the time that happened, all the magazines had hyped it up. of like, this is the biggest fucking movie. So everyone in England who likes to be all cool and, you know, sort of, yeah, whatever, this isn't as good as people said. Everyone was pretty like, oh, this wasn't that great because there was too much hype. But mm. I remember seeing it again in England six months later and sitting there. And I remember it's precisely in this art cinema in England. And then Pax Cinema with my friends. Everyone's quiet afterwards. And then one guy just gets up and goes... Wasn't as scary as The Exorcist. <laughs> just walks out of the cinema. Oh my god. Uh, so you can't please people. Uh, but no, it was a really important movie for me and I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. And I don't go back to it that much, partly because of that. I'm partly like, I don't want to ruin it. But yeah, let's get into it then, shall we? All right. We opened Lionsgate, putting it out, Hacks and Films, simple title card. And I loved that Heaven was immediately <laughs> kind of like... You looked a little bit disturbed just by the fact the title card was shaking. Yeah, I mean, really. <laughs> the title shaky card's camera, awesome. Shaky title card. Simple font. So nice and simple. When we get the opening diatribe di- of like in October 994, the three student filmmakers disappeared in the woods near Burkittsville. Um, and uh, these are basically their tapes that we're going to see. And I really love how we start here because it's always tricky with the first uh, person or a found footage or whatever. Mm-hmm. What's your first shot? And in here, it's like super close, out of mm-hmm. focus. The sound's pulling in gently. Um, and we gradually reveal Heather um, and she's introducing her home. And as Alex pointed out, who, I mean, it could be anyone. Yeah. But who's filming her? Yeah. We don't know if it's like her mom or dad or a family member. Cause straight after this, we cut to her being like, Hey, Mr. Punctuality. Yeah. And she's filming Josh arrive. Yeah. I never really thought about it and it doesn't really matter, I guess, but it is weird. We don't, that they'd have one shot that someone else is filming and they never just name check them or show them mm-hmm. for a second or something. 
Or, and maybe it would be more emotional if she was saying goodbye to her parents or something like that, or her brother or sister. So aside from that moment, from this point on, each of the actors, they're all filming, right? Yes. They're all filming this. For me, that adds such a... That's such a huge, huge uh, facet of what makes this so good immediately because it is truly from their perspective. Because, yeah, you before you were talking about, or in last week's podcast, you were talking about Wreck, which we covered, and that being very filmic. And, you know, in that, we, we, we know from, from watching it in the credits is that the actual DP of the film is made is sort of turned into a character into that film, mm-hmm. but it's someone with the technical ability still shooting it. Do you know what I mean? No, absolutely. And like even a film, a found footage film like Cloverfield, even though it's meant to be the character's film, it, it's still got a cinematic quality about it. And I think here, because you've, you're, you're truly handing it over to the actors and you're truly getting their point of view each time it switches between them, it just, again, it adds like that depth of realism that those other films don't have. It's no, it's something that, so after this film, I got heavily into found footage. I watched every single one and I was working on a website for many years that was going to cross-reference every found footage film ever made and then mm-hmm. it just became too many. I couldn't do it. Yeah. But I watched so many and now it's just a repeating mistake that I saw again and again and again and timeless yeah. from whether it was a cheap production to an expensive production was they wouldn't have the trust that these directors had in their actors mm-hmm. and the trust in themselves to control that in smart ways and then edit it in smart ways. And sure, it could fall apart. They got lucky obviously like yeah. The, yeah, but they were also smart about how they got lucky um and i agree with you 100 percent. like with something like cloverfield yeah you need to shoot that properly because of the type of movie that is and you're constructing how you're showing yeah. cgi effects and stuff like that it is orchestrated but for most fun footage movies like yeah just fucking stop it mm-hmm. and you have a dp they, they had a dp for this but the dp is mostly there to check a few lights for when they would get into the house or something make sure you could see things and to basically teach josh how to use that 16 millimeter camera because yeah, it's a yeah. nice camera which they probably wouldn't have had at their film school. And that's really what these people's jobs are. And yeah, you need the faith that they have in, in the actors. You're exactly right. Like that's what makes it honest. Yeah. Because there are bits when, yeah, it is, it's especially later in the film where it, it is imperfect um, mm. and it is rough, but it's meant to be. Mm. And it's meant to, you know, that, that conveys their shifting emotions and their yeah. rising panic which i love you know i think maybe a film the found footage film that i felt maybe came a little close but then still has to bring in cinematic moments was so above so below is that what it's called mm-hmm. that had some had a more kind of truthful feel i think we parts. have a problem also though because from beyond this point handheld cameras are going to get cleaner yeah and more digital and the beauty mm-hmm. of this point, again, it's once again the perfect timing for all the reasons we talked about last week to do with websites and to do digital. Mm-hmm. But we have one digital camera that's color, which is just good enough and just grainy enough. Yeah. Not grainy, mm-hmm. but you know, like digitally. That has got texture and it feels spooky, but you can see. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is an actual 16 millimeter black and white camera, yeah. which it doesn't know how to use perfectly. So there's points where it's not exposed right or it's too out of focus. 
You know, I have to take back what I said my first experience with Blair Witch Project is earlier. And I guess this reminds me because my mom had one of those old school handheld cameras with the cassette tapes. And my first real experience was it was I found a video, I think maybe like elementary school or junior high of her and her friends running around at the park outside my house at night trying to recreate scenes from the Blair Witch. No way. Yeah. And I still, I think I have the tapes up in, um, in my apartment. What? Yeah, yeah so cool. that was like my first like experience with Blair Witch Project. But even like I got videos on that too. those like old school cameras, like or like even in the woods. Yeah. Like it's different, like the graininess. Yeah. Yes. No, absolutely. Like, and it, it's 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 a real. There's so many things to make horror hard now. Mm-hmm. I was talking about some with a friend last night, but it's, it's so yeah. Phones are such a big thing. GPS is such a big thing. There's so much stuff which is just like ruining horror. And honestly, yeah, the found footage is digital. It's like the cleaner things get, the harder it is to really make things look spooky. Um, mm-hmm. So this is such a yeah, perfect balance of film. And I think they chose the right two cameras. It's so nice to have a clear, here's a color one, here's a black and white one. You understand who you're with throughout the whole film. So yeah, like, so we're introduced to a home. She's got books about survival. So we're learning, okay, she's done a prep. She's all proud. She's energetic. Um, and again, you've got to imagine this if you hadn't seen Curse, but having seen Curse, it gives a good background I feel yeah. like, to understanding these characters a little bit more. Um, but it goes really fucking quick. Because then Josh yeah. turns up with a 60 millimeter camera. They pick up Mike immediately. And then they're in the supermarket. We've got like humor straight away with like the marshmallows and stuff like that. There is a surprising amount of humor throughout the film yeah. or like yeah. lighter moments which is necessary you need that buoyancy mm-hmm. and just to make them feel like people yeah and then they are interviewing people within two minutes of this movie starting yeah they're interviewing people and i never noticed before how breakneck the editing is at the beginning mm-hmm. they don't really give you time to understand these characters they just fucking go straight in and they're like you're gonna have time with them to figure them out as we go along yeah um which is really cool but just surprising i find yeah, I was thinking based on what you told us in last the last episode about the original cut of this film and how it was much longer. Two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. and I was like thinking about that a lot in, in this sort of opening of yeah, you can imagine how much they, opening, they, yeah. they had chopped it, chopped it down. It's it's brutal. Like, mm-hmm. it's like speaking to someone who's had pain over trying to edit, I can't imagine editing it down as brutally as they do, but yeah. it's absolutely the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, could it just gets you straight in and gives you this nice quick like moments just a little and you feel like yeah you've just like grabbed someone's camcorder and they weren't thinking about what they're actually shooting you just feel like you're just getting these tiny little moments mm-hmm. and i think because with the build-up to the release of this film you know the the audience knew that it was about three missing people and what and and their footage that was found so i think with how this movie was built up i think there was a sense even for an audience member with that like you kind of want to you do you want that momentum of like get to the woods get to the woods you want to know what happens you want to know what happens yeah and this just works at a yeah just the right pace to give you that sort of buoyancy that you're talking about to have a sense of their relationships and and the real lightness of this moment and then it just like how it ramps up real quick is is really impressive yeah, I think a lot of films don't know how their marketing is going to go. And that is difficult because then you're like, well, how do we control the pacing considering the marketing could reveal something that people then go into expecting. Yeah. But mm-hmm. this film was constructed around the marketing of, no, you go in knowing they're done. Yeah. Like, you know they're fucked mm-hmm. before you go into the film, which adds a whole different element because you're not there to see, oh, will they make it? You're there to try and figure it out. Yeah. You're there as a kind of passive detective. 
Which makes it, I feel like, all the more tragic, especially, yeah. with, you know, like you see them in the beginning, how hopeful, how lighthearted it is for, I feel like a good portion of the film mm-hmm. is them really kind of like that camaraderie, like it's yeah. light, it's okay. But to go in knowing how it's going to end, it just, yeah, it's, it makes it a lot, a lot harder to watch because it's people you end up kind of caring about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, so yeah, these people, just not to recap everything we said last week, but just like little freshers, like, yeah, they got to hang out a little bit with each other. They were literally, like you said, filming it. And then the directors had planted a bunch of these people that are interviewing. You know, they didn't know that the that the legends weren't fake. In fact, they were kind of being told the legends were true and then had that reinforced by interviewing people who they didn't know were actors, who had then been fed lines, who were then telling them stuff to do with the Blow Witch. So we were really like, that genuine journey is just there with these Mm -hmm. characters you can see them when they're doing stuff and you can feel it knowing it when they're pushing for like oh we're making a movie so we're probably gonna have to push them for information but then they get more than they thought and then you can feel them kind of being like oh all right i guess this is true legend around this area then yeah that whole bit i really love and again the casting of of these sort of townsfolk characters Mm -hmm. is just so spot on yeah it's so perfect and just some of the like Subtle nuances. I mean, I just, I love the bit. I think I said it out loud when they meet the first man and in the grocery store with the glasses. And they're like, do you know about the Blair Witch? And he, and he just smiles first. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh. And then it cuts to him talking about it outside. And for me, just like that little smile and acknowledgement. And, and yeah, imagining them if they didn't know that was an actor. And to have that like instant reaction from him. Yeah. And then the other one is the woman with the child and the child freaking out. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't have wished that for a better moment there if you're one of the directors for their kid to be freaking out and, like, covering his mom's mouth and to be like, stop it, stop it. And to know, like, the legend. I'm sure, like, they knew a little bit about the legend, but if I was an actor on that set, like, man, my heart would have dropped watching the kid, like, start Yeah, yeah. It's creepy. It really is. It's really cool. Yeah, and then we get someone telling them about Rustin Parr. So, again, tiny threads of information. If you haven't read that dossier, if you didn't see Curse of Blair Witch, you're going to get so little, mm-hmm. really, about everything about the universe. You're going to get a few bits about some children who had died, mostly in the 1940s. Then you're going to get into them at Rustin Parr with kids disappearing. Him coming down to the market saying, I'm finally finished. And then them finding the seven kids in the basement. He would take them down by twos. We get a little bit more information than we do in Curse of Blair Witch. Yeah. But it is in the dossier. He takes them down to the basement by twos. And you take one into the corner while he killed the other one. Um, and then bring the next one in. Um, and he put them face in the wall because he couldn't take the eyes watching him. Yeah, these like little nuggets. It just, I remembered, you know, in the stuff that I read in the build up, but then after seeing the film, of just going through and like trying to find as much stuff as I could to pour through it. Mm. And yeah, and still having that moment of like, okay, is the legend part of it true? Because it's like all of, there was so much detail in all this history stuff. Yeah. That you could just constantly kind of dive into and explore. It's just like, oh my God, this is incredible. So to go and talk to Mary Brown, who's known as like the local crazy lady who's meant mm-hmm. to be seen her. Uh, she looks like just like, yeah, the most atypical sort of super religious, clutching her Bible mm-hmm. sort of witch lady. She says her dad and her would go fishing at the creek. And she was laying down when she felt something near her. And then she saw a woman with hair all over her arm and hands that looked like fur. She had a shawl on. And when she opened her shawl, she had hair all over her. Um, and that's pretty much it. She did have a gate made out of sticks, though, that's which true. I Do thought was really interesting. That is true. Do you think they knew she was an actor? I think, but this is the thing. You got to think about their mindset. And it's very hard to tell, but they must have presumed 
some yeah were actors but just maybe not the amount like and someone like her is like yeah she seems a bit actory like she does yeah because it was like because then another yeah because i was like she does seem really over the top but then if they didn't know that and they thought she was a real person then you do get some then you just be like well she is that lady is crazy well plus and also okay so i don't know when they're, what they're doing at this point but in the woods we know they would, they would put out like the directors and the other team would like creep around behind them dressed in camouflage do the yeah. actual breaking of the sticks do the tapes blah 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 and would leave these 35 millimeter rolls and they would take their notes out and learn what they had to do but here like when they hear about mary brown you just then cut and they're going there for sure they've been told oh, you should go check on mary yeah because so, that's what i was thinking as well in this part you know how much are the directors with them through this mm-hmm this whole like town part are they yeah. like literally with them and guiding them through or is it the same as in the woods where they were like okay here are your points yeah do this 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 because also the bit when she was doing the documentary part um introduction at the cemetery and i was like okay is that was all that dialogue written for her and she memorized it and they but they still filmed it or did she like write that herself and improvise it or whatever because everything else in the woods is that's all it's improv improv other like than again, around they might be fed yes like yeah something like, like this and, yeah you know, like you given know, certain beats yeah there's definitely a bit we're going to get to later that's always been one of my few problems with this movie yeah um but yeah no they definitely were ad-libbing um i can't imagine so you know like the amount of paranoia they had already going into the woods because if they're wondering you know they're like oh we know we're doing a movie but then suddenly they don't know who's an actor and that's an extreme to feel like thing to feel when you're like how far Mm -hmm. does my director's reach go and then i feel like you'd start doubting yourself yeah Yeah. i can't imagine like going into it and being like i don't know where the line begins Mm -hmm. and ends with this work i'm doing which yeah. is important because, yeah, as we said last week, this is all going to be psychological. We've got a producer yeah. who was used to be in the army. They're purposely going to put them through or try to put them through a week worth of basically stressing them out, uh, giving them directions, taking away their sleep, taking away their food, taking away their water, and then getting them to a point where they're going to crack. And, yeah, yes, we're going to see that's that's crucial because you can't fake that kind of like mm-hmm. Even if you know in your brain, well, I know I'm fine. I know there are safe words. I know I can get out. You're still gonna have a mental effect on you for sure this is really like a last hurrah not only for that kind of like nitty-gritty like film era but also for what you can make your actors do and like how you could like run your film set like that yeah damn unions you couldn't yeah you couldn't i feel like you couldn't uh you'd have to you, get sign some serious waiver yeah, forms first you couldn't do it um, under normal union rules no yeah it'd have to be non-union completely and then get them to sign very particular things mm-hmm. yeah um, which i presume they did with this and to be clear they did have not just the directing team around but they had close by other people who could come and, and rescue them at any point and also to be clear they were never that deep into any woods <laughs> like oh. these weren't deep woods at all that they were really in yeah you can kind of get the idea of that in There's some of the of shots, shots where it's just like clearing and it's yeah like, and it's like you can see sort of clearer paths and it's not that dense yeah 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 it's anyway mary they're discounting because she apparently she said she was a ballerina a scientist a novelist i think so they're gonna hang out at a the motel they're having beers heather just won't fucking stop talking she's so desperate to like be cool and be a part of like the gang and be the, like i'm the leader and but you also have to like me kind of thing mm-hmm it's and she's been mocked a lot as like incredibly ingratiating and annoying in this film mm-hmm. i always didn't i don't know if like is the wrong word but i always appreciated her character i think it's a great character having this but this time i must say at the beginning i was like can you just stop talking for a second yeah 
Yeah, I mean, she's she's the one in charge, isn't she? Mm-hmm. There, yeah, there were some moments watching it this time where I was thinking more more about the acting choices. And if you're in a position, and, and from someone who's had a lot of uh, improv experience and done like improvised theater and stuff, of moments where your natural instinct can be to fill, not trusting the space and the mm-hmm. silence, so you fill it with... Mm-hmm. With words, and sometimes those words can be meaningless, or they can overlap over people, or it can it can be unnecessary, and that comes out of like a instinctual fear of like needing to fill the gap. And there were moments in here where I was like, maybe you didn't have, maybe the choice there wasn't to speak, or yeah, maybe she or, didn't think she was being annoying, or, or to like to give it a to give it a, a breath. But but yeah, I mean, I, overall, I, I certainly didn't find her annoying. But yeah, there were moments where I was just like, yeah, yeah, interesting choices. Comes out. I mean, a lot of it comes down to the editing, and it's a difficult thing as well because that's that's always the balance with the editor and the director and the actor. Mm-hmm. There have definitely been, um, and I'll never say names to things, but there have definitely been people I've worked with where it's like you have to work hard with the editor to make that work, you know, and yeah, you can yeah. make them look amazing, and you can do the vice versa. You can take an amazing performance with an actor and make them look like shit, mm-hmm. you know. And I feel they do the right job here, whether it's intentional or not. I like her being annoying, to be honest. Yeah. Like she does annoy me, and I like that because. Mm-hmm. It takes you on more of an emotional ride that they aren't. Because uh, to be clear, I don't love the other two either. Like they're a bit broy here in this scene in the motel with their beers and like the way they're interacting, but they're just a bit less in my face. <laughs> and I mean, it all feels very sincere anyway to the curse of the Blair Witch and how they're described mm-hmm. in that documentary. Well, and what's weird is that we we don't learn in this how they even really why they're working together. Mm-hmm. None of them really seem to like each other that much. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a strange dynamic from the beginning, which I think is an interesting choice that they don't give any lines of dialogue to do with school or to do with a class that they're in or you know, yeah. something. It's all they've rented this equipment is what we're going to learn later. Yeah. It's interesting though that, you know, their relationship, at least the way we could perceive it only exists within what we're allowed to see within the realm of like yeah. what they film. And, you know, if, when you're like at a like film school or something, even if you don't really know someone, you're like, because I think Josh had, was Josh, yeah, Josh had one line. It was like, hey, I didn't bring you here for this man. Mm-hmm. Like he's clearly yeah, yeah. bringing like him in and like they're all like teaming up for whatever. And also going to like what, you know, thinking of Heather's annoying. I kind of like, I was also irritated by her, but in a way of that made sense. Like she would be the one to be like, okay, we got to like over talk and explain to like counterbalance them being like bro-y. And Mm -hmm. it is hard. Yeah. She's the only, I mean, there's only two of them, but she's the girl in the two guys situation. And she's in the tent with them and all. She's got to like affirm I'm the leader in this and I'm strong. And like we said, Mm -hmm. the actual actor, like we said last week, brought a new hunting knife with her just in case. And yeah. this was the first time where I've seen this film and I kind of, and again, because I'm getting older, but it's the first time where I've watched it. I'm like, man, they're so young. Like she looks so young in yeah. this film. And when I first watched this film, she seemed like an adult because I was in yeah. the age bracket, you know? And now it's like, no, I feel they're so much more vulnerable because they look so young. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the interview some fishermen by the creek. I fucking love this scene. Like, this bit's great. Favorites. Yeah. These two different cantankerous Ah, bullshit. <laughs> Oh, one of them just got damn fool kids never learn. Yeah. <laughs> and he's okay. the harboring of doom. Like he yeah. is the classic archetypal, you know, mm-hmm. like person from a slasher film who tries to warn them. But then you have they always play it right. The directors always do it right of like, let's diffuse it constantly. We'll plant these things in your head, and then we'll have someone else being this part in your head that's telling you the cynic, you know? Yeah. Um, so you play both constantly. You could uh, have missed it too, him saying you damn kids never learn if you weren't yeah. like listening. It really oh, yeah. was because it really yeah. like 
sort of a throwaway under the breath comment as he mm-hmm. turns around. But it's also weird because it's like, have, any, have other kids gone missing then in this area? Who else is? Because we get no information yeah, about yeah. something else bad has happened. But mm. maybe other kids have. So, yeah, they learn about Robin Weaver, who wandered off into the woods and three days later appears on her grandmother's porch. And I love how they make these things creepy. And really, when you say it out loud, it's like, eh, nothing really that bad. But then she was talking about an old woman whose feet who never touched the ground. So we're bringing that back in from Curse, but from a different source here. Mm-hmm. And then the fisherman very candidly is, oh, yeah, I saw her over there, like in coming out of the river, basically rising up out of the water. Well, the other guy's just, yeah, shitting all over yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, ah, bullshit. And then this is where they park, get their backpacks, and head into the forest. And this is the first time I'm not, I'm really paying attention this time. And I'm noticing things I didn't notice before. And knowing now, yeah, this is two and a half hours long originally. Like, mm-hmm. okay, that's going to make sense for some of it. As they're heading out from the car, I think it's Mike. He's like, all right, we're going to get heading to this shack. That's what he says. Yeah, yeah. We're heading to a shack. Which then I'm thinking, oh, okay, so they know already their end point's going to be Rustin Parr's house. Mm-hmm. It is not at no point. They're going to go to the graves um, and Coffin Rock. They're the two, but well, not in that order, Coffin Rock and then the graves. That's what they're trying to go to, mm-hmm. and that's it. And then they're trying to get out. And I was like, there must have been a cut of this then, where they had different intentions of what they were trying to do. I'm curious if you think they'd ever release like the full two hour and a half or like the, that footage oh, is gone forever what i always wanted because there's actually oh, i forgot to check in the end credits but the first few times i watched this film there's something in the end credits for the making of crew essentially and i believe they had someone with them shooting about some of the stuff from the director's point of view like out there in the woods cracking oh, that'd be cool. oh, and wow. I, I was always like how have you never released that but maybe it's unusable or... but wait do we up until this point did, did, does she lay out the plan that it's just the cemetery and coffin rock not at this point. but this, So these are, okay, these are the big contiguous things. So I've been like reading up a lot, listening to people's thoughts on this, listening to podcasts. And the big contiguous things are number one, is this all Heather's fault in terms of was she marked? You know, mm-hmm. like is she actually, when does, she, when does the witch really interfere with them? Mm-hmm. And is Heather like purposefully doing things essentially? Yeah. Um, because she is does she like almost being like a rusted part. Yeah. And because the, she says that she's like mapped it out and don't worry, this is a planned out trip. But that would mean you've already done this. You've come out and you've looked at these sites yeah, yeah. before bringing people to film it. So it's like, has she been here before or not? But then the second thing is, yeah, is that. It's like, what is her exact intention? Because as you go into it, they definitely say that, or oh, we're going to head to the shack. But then as they go through yeah, it. Yeah, because he says the shanty first. And yeah, he's like the shack. The shack, yeah. yeah. And then when they go through it, though, 100%, we'll get there as we hit the beads. But they're like, no. We're going to this, we're going to this. And then once they've seen what they think is the cemetery with these piles of rocks and then some freaky things, they're like, they're just getting out. They're not, yeah, there's no yeah. talk about a house or anything. That's right. And then when they eventually see the house, it's completely seems to be a shock to them. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the fuck is this? Why is there a house here? Mm-hmm. Doesn't Heather it also at some point when they're looking at the map saying we're here off the map? Yeah. She says we're off the map yeah. at one point, which is like, well, then why have a map? Yeah. 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 And there's something again playing with that idea because we know what's going to happen to them just there's something very foreboding about that whole shot of the car she oh, keeps yeah. Yeah. And she, as she as as they walk back particularly if you've seen curse and you see yeah. that that's the photo that's all the police found yeah yeah mm-hmm. but no it is it is i guess a mistake left in there in the edit with the shack thing mm-hmm. i don't know um but anyway, she says they're heading to coffin rock off the go and she tells the story of the men who were killed on Coffin Rock. Again, I like this as well because we're getting little snippets of how it would have looked if they'd finished the project because it is edited properly together yeah. with the voiceover. Mm-hmm. 
with the disemboweled men, etchings on their face, hands and feet. Uh, but on returning with the next search party, the men were all removed, but the stench of death was still thick. We get added here that there were vultures as well, which wasn't there in Curse of Blowage. Mm-hmm. And then it starts to rain, so they put up a trend. I've noted them down paranormal activity style, Alex, which I thought you'd appreciate. Night one. Josh hears voices, apparently. That's all paranormal. Wait, activity. what? Like, each night, that's what I've done. Oh, yeah, down. yeah. Josh hears okay, cackling. To night one, yeah, night two, nice. night three. Huh? Josh hears cackling. Josh is, oh yeah, he does hear cackling. Mm-hmm. Which I love when he wakes up, it's like, I heard this one noise, could have been now, but then I definitely heard cackling. And he didn't like feel the need to tell anybody? Well, he does when he wake up. But like, it, no. You would when you're sleeping? Yes, I would wake everybody up. We would leave. Which again is like, has he been given a note to say, say you heard this, but we didn't actually do anything that night because we don't yeah. wake up the other ones? Probably. That's Ooh. probably what it is. Yeah. Because if you did something, the others, they are going to wake you. That's right for sure. They're just trying to like mm-hmm. plant that first seed, I'd imagine. And that's kind of fun of this, isn't it? It's like, how do they engineer mm-hmm. each scene? And- C- cackling, <laughs> hearing him say that this time, I was like, mm, that's, seemed, that's a bit of a... Witchy word. Witchy word, which made me a bit like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. You, I think there should have been something more like, yeah, like the crackings or whatever, the yeah, branches yeah. later or something a bit more woody. Because yeah, you never yeah. hear, like, that's an extreme thing to hear, like, in the middle of yep. the night. Yes. Like, yeah. and he's and you, very calm. Yeah, no, yeah. you would freak out for sure if you had cackling. And that's more, I mean, the kids later, I guess, the noises we're going to get to is, is spooky as fuck. But yeah. cackling would be a, yes. I feel like that'd be a up. step above, like, even the kids. If he had like, just said laughing, mm. I would have found that more. Thought, or just, like, I thought I heard someone laughing. Yeah, like, that, the, just saying that now feels scarier to me. Yeah. Yeah. If him saying cackling makes me think of like the Wicked Witch of the West or something. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, and this is the first time watching it where I've got, well, other than one bit that's always bothered me, little things from like, oh, yeah, I wish they'd taken that out or taken mm. that out. So Heather says she knew where they were going, but they were already, they were already pretty lost, but then they get sort of back on track. I do love a line, which is like, I'm very pleasantly surprised by little Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that always <laughs> makes me laugh. And yeah, like we're saying, some of these shots, you can already, you can see the clearing in the distance. And again, it's like I haven't seen like the little humor bits are great. Like there's just so many and it's moving so quick still at this point. Like with the what killed this dead mouse. And it really yeah. makes you just like the worst part about a horror movie is when you don't care about your protagonist. Mm-hmm. But like with this, it's like you can't help but care. Yeah. And you really want like at least I really wanted them to mm-hmm. make it through. I was like, you're going to make the right choices. I know mm-hmm. you will. I trust you. And to see like their pitfalls. Yes. Horrific. Well, and the pitfalls, yeah, and uh, we'll get to them. And, and the difficulty is what's edited out. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, when would you be filming when in a stress situation? Probably when you're not moving. So that's probably why we don't see much walking later, which for me mm-hmm. does become frustration of they just seem to stop walking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I feel you would increase your walking <laughs> as you became more yeah. panicked, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, and we're already coming to Josh checking the map. And I always forget how early it is that they feel lost in these Yeah, ways. that, that, caught me by surprise this time as well mm. i was like whoa that we've got to that moment much quicker than i remember yeah and sort of the 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 panic kind of starting to escalate much sooner than i had expected and and the friction between them starting to kind of rise much sooner than i had expected yeah it's like it's there from the beginning the friction mm. but then it builds quickly um yeah and then he's like well i agree to a scouted out project and she says it is scouted out which is yeah again I'm like, okay so have you been here before like, I don't know. Yeah, or is that, is she just is she lying? lying? Or is it, does she think scouted out means I marked it on a map? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know. 
Um, and then he's like, I'm putting my trust in you, but I got to tell you, I don't fully trust you. And that's already, like you say, yeah, already the seeds of doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she says that immortal line will all look back on this and laugh heartily. Yeah. Which is, those are the bits that are most chilling. Because, yeah, again, we know they, they won't. won't. Oh. <laughs> this is where they come across some piles of rocks. And then Heather is remembering what Mary Brown said. And these are the bits where definitely you know. Is that, sorry, just to rewind, know. is that where Mike already says where he first asked her to stop filming where he says that line not a, we're not making a documentary about us getting lost I think so yeah we're making a documentary early. about a li- yeah. witch yeah and then because then she says the line about don't worry we'll be laughing we'll about this. yeah i loved that whole sequence and those lines yes yeah but yeah it's just so quick how we get into it mm-hmm. um yeah so to come across these piles of rocks which are like all over the place sort of like a little indian burial ground almost and heather's remembering what mary brown said about a pile of rocks from the bible and this was mm-hmm. weird because we don't get that scene so we didn't get Mary Brown saying this stuff about the pile of rocks from the Bible. So it's kind of weird for her to be recalling something that the audience didn't get to participate in, mm-hmm. which is definitely an odd choice, mm-hmm. but fine. Um, and then she's, there's seven pile of rocks, which this for me is the first time where I'm noticing all the repetitions of seven from the seven men on yep. the rock, from the seven children who were taken to the seven piles of rocks, the buckets filled seven that we're going to get to next week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of repetition of seven. Um, and then they go back to the rocks at nighttime to get some more shoots, which is, again, kind of funny because, like, what do you think it looks like? It looks the same, but darker. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. 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 But then Josh is the one who knocks over a pile of rocks. And the problem is they don't even show it that clearly. You have to kind of put it together from mm-hmm. where they're standing with the colors of the cameras. And then Heather tries to reassemble the rocks. Um, but presumably that's it, right? So, like, again, when I'm looking at people talking about this film, they're talking about when does the witch decide to take them? Are they really lost up until this point? Is the weird shit happening? Or is it all fine until that moment he knocks over the rocks? Is it just when Josh does that? Or, again, this is the thing, Curse of the Blair Witch, seeing that Blair Witch sign in Heather's hair makes you feel like, no, she's been chosen for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and is literally bringing these people to whether it's Rustin Parr or the witch or Rustin Parr under the witch's control. I think also also in... Curse of Blair Witch. You remember, like the woman who was like against a police officer, the woman who had written the strongly worded letter. Mm-hmm. She said, um, "You know, they approach this with no respect." Yeah, and I think you know the way they were going, and like, oh, it's a myth. Like there, there wasn't a lot of respect in it, which maybe could have also been like another. Like I think they were playing with dangerous territory, even beginning. Mm-hmm. Like from the second they stepped foot in a coffin rock, I feel like that's when. When they started retracing the steps and like really getting into her territory, it was over. Do you think that they're pretty much fucked from the moment they go into the woods? Basically? Yeah, I definitely think so. I don't even think maybe this is an unpopular and controversial view, but I don't even think it's Heather's fault. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, when you look like the search parties go in, they don't know what they're going, but they wander into the territory and they all get fucked. I think it's just like the witch is in her realm and once you enter that then like and especially enter yeah, with yeah. the air of like project or you're going to exploit it or without you know the real knowledge or respect then she's going to come and rock your shit yeah yeah oh, i don't want to rock in my shit i agree i've always felt that way i've never really blamed i've never blamed her and never yeah. agreed with those things and i agree with you it's just like no you're in the woods so you're fucked basically but again those fishermen aren't fucked so it is yeah maybe to do with the disrespect or whatever but the curse does add that like honestly just that one thing in her hair which may have just been done as a cute little nod for mm. them of like here's an easter egg but it means a lot but then also like the stuff in the the dossier about 
with the story about the mom giving her diary to a psychic and the psychic yes. then essentially saying that Heather um, was chosen, kind of thing. Uh, con- uh, not conjured. What's the word? Like called the Evolve. called the witch, basically. Yeah. 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 Well, and I do think it one of the main Summoned reasons to dissect is, it is what we're going to get to with the next films because we're going to be dealing a bit more with that legacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just interesting now, and Heaven I know hasn't gone there yet. We'll hit the next, <laughs> the next proper movie. I'll say not next week's, but after that, and then mm-hmm. the final movie we'll be covering. But definitely, when you get to the final movie, it's interesting to circle back to this movie and see. And we will. I don't want to spoil too much because that's going to be tricky for me and Alex with this. But I do want to point out a few little things in this one, which potentially do they work considering where it goes and what's that effort to plan originally? Yeah, I was trying to think to the new one and connecting yeah. some of the dots so we're gonna try and do that without spoiling it but we can definitely talk about it for the people who know who have seen that and are listening we can like point out a couple of bits because there are definitely a couple of things um and we're gonna go there now with night two because we get to see it uh this time the actual night i mean uh, and we hear cracking in the distance and it's coming from all around them and that's pretty much it but it's a very beautiful spooky scene um you can hear that like the massive like cracks gonna go straight to it because blair witch 2016 not going to say what, but we get an explanation for those cracks. Mm, I can't remember. Okay. Okay. Are you going to explain it? I don't want to spoil it for heaven, and I don't want to spoil it for people on this journey film by film. But um, I just want to say, for me, I was then going, okay, is it scarier or less scary with the explanation that I now am watching this with? You know, the new information in my head. Where before it was just like, I don't know what this noise is. It's the woods. And I had that. And from Curse, you have that cool sentence of she controlled the woods and the animals and all this mm-hmm. stuff. I like that. I don't think they're necessarily going for what we get in Blair Witch. That's what I'm going to say. I don't think it's scarier. I don't. I think what in the the new one, the explanation yeah. for it. I think it slightly diffuses it when I watch this film now, and I think about what they're telling me. Some of these things are. I need, it, I need to look it up because now I'm just going to bug me because I can't remember. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about that. Honestly, I didn't know it was twigs cracking. For a long time, for some reason, I thought it was someone hitting rocks together. I think someone. Yeah, yeah. I think someone. That's that also well. happening. Yeah, I think both oh, are happening. Horrible. Yeah, because I can't remember that. That is still very affecting for me. That whole mm-hmm. moment and hearing those, and the fact that she's like, it's it's all around us, and you do get that sense from the audio that it's it's not in one direction, and it's just like. I wonder how <laughs> many like. PAs they had out there in the woods like cracking rocks together oh yeah oh. I just wrote it out for Alex <laughs> what it was now he's looking slightly oh, disappointed yeah. <laughs> that's right alright next day it's raining Josh says he thinks the sounds were it's so different yeah it changes that whole scene doesn't it yeah <laughs> I wish people could see your face right <laughs> Josh says he thinks the sounds were someone fucking with them and then we do get the final line. I don't know. Have you ever seen Deliverance? Uh, so he's basically saying, yeah, some of the people from the town are pissed and are out in the woods fucking with them. But he doesn't like it because they're pretty deep in the woods. So anyone who's that determined to fuck with them, you don't want to mess with. He also said that whatever it is, because he was like, I don't care if it's people or whatever it is, I still don't want to mess with it. Yeah. It could be a fucking bear, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like That's what you'd be worried about in the woods initially, at least. Yeah, so they're heading back out of the forest to the car. And I, hadn't, I don't know if I'd noticed that originally. Or in my other viewing, that very early, there's like, no, we're going. Yeah. Like, we've been to Coffin Rock, we've interviewed those fishermen, we've seen some piles of rocks, let's go. We're done. We've heard some cracks, fuck that. 
let's go. So they're trying to go very early, never hitting the shack, never talking about it again. So that clearly was a mistake in some way. Um, and then they're already getting pissed with each other as it's taken longer than it should. Mike's starting to shout. They're worrying about getting their rental gear back and stuff like that. And then we hit night three. Cracks again. And this is the weird thing for me because I'm noticing, Heaven, you're getting pre spooked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which makes me happy. <sighs> Alex, excellent. does this affect you still, these, this film? Yeah, it does. Not Not to that extreme anymore, I guess. And I think this time I was deliberately taking a little step back to because uh, i just wanted to kind of concentrate and and focus more on the production side of it and their choices as, as actors as far as what they were fed and how they were reacting to circumstances that were they were put under so i was trying to think of that a bit more mm-hmm. but yeah i mean i'm still it's despite all of that it, it still feels so real watching it and because their reactions are i feel very genuine and, and no and this the stress that they're, they're under is is very genuine i agree it still feels real i just i wish i'm watching heaven during the film and i'm just jealous like i miss feeling things mm-hmm. so much like i <laughs> i just don't feel anything and yeah. i think it's partly because with other films and i prefer this because it's so pulled back yeah but i know from watching it before and dissecting it before you do not see a single thing in this movie not at any point. You can peer as much as you want in the dark. There are no Easter eggs. There are no nowadays. You'd have to. You'd have to have yeah, like that yeah. tree there if you go back. Was actually this thing? You know, there's nothing. You don't see the witch at any point. You don't see anything else at any point. You can peer as much as you want, and that used to be terrifying because mm-hmm. back then it was like you're peering into this darkness, and it's so perfectly done uh, with the torchlight. I mean, I still, still love is. that, and that, that that yeah, to be fair, does still terrify me. That right. that idea of you're seeing only only as far as maybe five feet Mm -hmm. and then it's just pitch black and yeah the idea that we're never seeing what's out there and we're hearing it and we're feeling it through them yeah maybe i don't feel as scared as i used to but i still feel this i still feel that stress right that's that situation Mm -hmm. and yeah and speaking of what you don't see the thing that the bit that I've always loved and I've always gone back to and I've been like, is something there? Isn't something there? Is the bit when we'll get up to it where they're running through the forest and she's like, what the mm-hmm. hell is that? What the hell is that? And the yeah. camera pans. Yeah. And I think I've watched that over and over and paused it. And I'm like, is there something there? Isn't? There's not. And there's not. There's nothing. Which yeah. is the beauty. I, again, I think for the first time experience, I still think it's the better way to go. Yeah. But on a repeated experience, I know there's nothing, so I'm not looking anymore. That's the thing. It's like they get to the scenes and I still appreciate them. Because I think they do also do a similar moment like that in the new one. Yeah. I mean, we're going to say, I mean, they show a lot more surprises 2016. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to see a lot more. And not to clue you in on anything, but they, they, this is one of the points and the reason why I'm talking about 2016 films. Like I'm saying, oh, I don't think that scene with the cracking is as, as good now that I know mm-hmm. what they're saying it is. In this scene, they are clarifying what potentially they did mean it. And maybe 2016 film was correct because here one of them says it sounds like footsteps. Oh. I'm not looking forward to the 2016 <laughs> film because I'm really like first time watching like this film, I have to say has really, well, I know we're supposed to say our opinions for the end, but I definitely like the darkness, especially in the moments when they're like, oh, like we got to open the tent and you mm-hmm. can't see anything. Yeah. And you'd like just hear like the sounds of the tent. It's terrifying. I mean, how many times have you been in that position camping or something? Like it's At so easy to put yourself. 
at least like maybe possibly once. possibly once and then i went into a hotel i definitely don't want to go camping <laughs> after this like i don't want to go in the woods after this yeah and the woods are terrifying well yeah but for other reasons for like yeah there could be a, an actual person out there who's gonna fuck with you there could be a bear out there they could yeah. particularly in california which yeah, snakes yeah spiders scorpions whatever. not fun not many witches um, not many Californian witches happening yeah. other than real life ones because there's a lot of fucking hippies. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're a type of witch. Sure. Um, <laughs> if the new Tarantino film was weird. a Wiccan pagan. There you go. Yeah, they wake up. There are piles of rocks outside the tent. Again, they didn't know this <laughs> stuff was happening. This is genuinely the directors and their team creeping around at night and putting things in. They have to be so quiet. It must be a lot of fun. Yeah, because I mean... It must have been quite a challenge doing that quietly because I, I can't imagine how they would have had a uh, a peaceful sleep. Yeah, so just the me? cracking leaves of them walking. And maybe one of them did wake up and hear something, but you know, well, mm-hmm. they're setting up stuff, so I have to. But in part of you, would still be on edge of like, maybe it's not the directors and maybe it's someone's mm-hmm. outside our fucking tent because you wouldn't know what if something overlaps with what we're doing. Yeah. Three piles of rocks. This is also when, what is it? No, I don't know if it's like the same time when they're like, it's. is this the 3 a.m. when they're up at 3 a.m.? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. No, okay. it's just night three. We're getting, we're getting it. Uh, but yeah, three piles of rocks. So again, we've had like the seven before for the kids. I think there were seven people on the rock from Curse of Blair Witch. They mm-hmm. don't say it in this film. Um, and then three piles, obviously, for each of them, which is now saying you're all marked, essentially, isn't it? Yeah. Like, doesn't matter. Josh will be first, but you're all marked. And the map is lost. So they decided to just keep walking in the same direction. Seems fair. Let's all go south. Uh, we don't get any even spinning compasses or anything like that. No. It's just like, you know, which you think would be a no-brainer. I have. But I don't even know if they had a production to do that. <laughs> I have to that say and... that. Oh, go ahead. No, no. Just, is that another thing from Oh, the... we'll get a lot of things in 2016. <laughs> oh, jeez. I have to say like that moment because like I didn't know that they lost the map. Right. Like it was done, but like. Are we at that part yet? Where they like they realize the map's like gone? Yeah, they realize it's gone, but we haven't had the mic bit yet. Okay. Wait, never mind. Oh, is you on the mic bit? Okay, we'll get there in a second. Um, there's a nice balance, so I feel, always in this film of if two people are pissed, one of them isn't, which is how yeah. real dynamics work. Yeah. Someone always yeah. suits up to be like, oh, I'll keep everyone together. Mm-hmm. Um, and Josh is still getting goofy for a moment, like lying under that branch and just going to tell them I'll be here under this twig. <laughs> it's like, it's pretty great. Yeah, and that's good. Um, whether that was from the director's notes or just the choices of the actors, like that was really smart to make sure that there was always that balance in the balance. dynamic. Otherwise, it would have could have just become a, a, a big shouting match, or do well, you know what I mean. Or, and also, mm-hmm. don't discount how much of this might be out of order. Like stuff like that, you can take. You can go. You For know sure. what? This is getting to whatever. Let's take that scene of Josh goofing around earlier mm-hmm. a couple of days ago and put it here. Yeah, know? that makes sense. But yeah, and then we get that line of by tonight, my girlfriend and other people will notice we're not back and they're going to come looking for us. So we have that, okay, they think that there's, there's going to be a way out of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no one ever comes looking for them, really. Not in the time frame that they're there for. We're going to get the time for the frame they yeah. think they're there for. Mikey starts laughing and Heather throws a fucking big strop because she gets laughed at for having her shoes being wet. And this is where Mikey admits that he kicked the map into the creek. Mm hmm. And for me, this was the only problem I always had with the film. This is the bit for really? me that just reeks of acting, acting, acting. When he just starts laughing and then he forces it. And then she's clearly been given a note, say, so bring up the map again. And he's clearly been told, like, now this is what you have to do. And mm-hmm. I feel this is the only bit in the movie for me where it completely breaks and it feels so forced and his jokiness with it. 
And I'm just like, I don't even need it. It's like, I was happy with it's gone. Yeah. Like that makes so much more sense to me than I kick the map into, you know, no one's going to kick the fucking map into the creek. Like, I don't care how you can't read the map, but it's so dumb. Yeah. So then I have to go to, all right, they're all under control of the witch. Mm Mm-hmm. Which makes you see the movie very differently. Well, for me, I this bit was all had always been a big shocking kind of surprise for me, and f- and and yeah, my my justification for it was always that mm-hmm. it was the witch thing. Like this is they're now being manipulated and controlled and sort of turning against each other. And he, yeah, this was like some kind of manipulation of, of Mike to throw it in. Right. And and that always was kind of like uh, very unsettling for me, like in this moment that he was like deliberately fucking them up. But I will agree that the acting here, this time watching it, when she was yelling and screaming and, and then they were starting to fight it. Yeah, it was the, probably one of the only moments where it had broke slightly for me, just in that it... Yeah, it, it, for a, a split second, the, the screaming and yeah, maybe he's laughing. It just felt a little acted for a second. I felt like it was his joking. <laughs> like it was like the same thing, like something about like the laughter. It's so like, you're right, it's very active. The kind of like, I'm going to, I'm like hysterical. That I'm going to reveal this thing. Mm-hmm. But I actually like, it was really, because she was fine. They were all fine. Like she was still holding it together. Like everyone felt really it could work like we can make this happen up yeah, yeah. until that point and when she starts screaming and having like a breakdown mm-hmm. part of me like i was like i could see why you'd freak out because you're holding it together yeah yeah you thought you had it in control and then suddenly it's completely taken like out of your control yeah irrevocably i mean yeah i don't think no one should kick a map like that was dumb they should he should just be like i'm the one that left it like i dropped it yeah or yeah. something like that but it was mm-hmm. the phrasing but I don't know, after that too, like the camera seemed to like, because it felt more continuous, like the way they were shooting, or it didn't feel so like start and stop, like yeah. these shorter scenes. And after that, that's when it was like suddenly like, oh, they're all silent. And yeah. then suddenly they're in a different place. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like It's very cut up after that. Yeah. Which again, might be more real. Yeah. You're getting more stressed. You're going to shoot less, you know, she mm-hmm. is using it as like, it's they very much let us know later as a, as a way for her to deal with what's happening, but you would use it less. Um, so it does make sense, but it does also get a little more, more jarring. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That is cool, though, with those those jarring cuts that when she does turn it on, you do have those moments of, of the other two just being like, what the f- Why are you filming now? Yeah. Like, like and then, and, and kind of understanding that there's been a, a passage of time that's passed mm-hmm. and they haven't gotten any closer. They haven't gotten any closer to a solution. And like you said, that sense of walking and, and movement forward all starts to kind of grind to a halt. Yeah. No, it does. Which, which this time it did. Listen, there are a lot of people who watch this film like, oh, I don't like this film. It's just some people bickering in the woods doing nothing. And I used to be really annoyed with them for that because like, you don't get it. And I don't feel that way. I don't. But mm-hmm. I can see that more this time. I, yeah. Like not for the first half, but at second half. Yeah, there is a lot of just we're going to bicker and we're going to sit down and not move or have a plan or really be that active yeah yeah and you could say yeah because you could say they're losing their mind legitimately you can say the witch is having an effect on them and the woods are having an effect on them or whatever 
and I buy that, but it would. I just, yeah, I do feel like maybe there could be a little bit more proactivity or something, mm-hmm. you know, happening. I'm um, really because you guys keep saying how like at this moment you're like, oh, the witch has control, but I never like that thought never came into my head that like the witch is controlling them. I yeah, was just like because all I could think of was like they're just getting more and more and more desperate. Because, you know, when you're in that situation, they know at that point, like, it's lost cause. So, like, the kind of, like, sitting around. I mean, it's very much like mm-hmm. they've, they've given up. Like, where are they going? But this is the thing, because I agree with you. I never used to think that. And I don't want to think that, as Alex will know. I hate um, possession stuff. Like, I don't like mm-hmm. people being overtaken by something. It does nothing for me. But I'm but that's my problem, is I'm saying. As I dissect it, mm. Mike's performance is either bad and just bad writing with some bad acting. Mm. Or I have to give it the credibility of, okay, the witch then made him do this thing. And particularly in a minute when Josh is going to disappear. It's like, why would he get up and just walk out? You know? Did he? Oh, we'll get, I guess we'll get we'll, there we'll in, get second, there in yeah. a second. Yeah. But yeah, they're all giving up hope. And their minds are all fraying. And then they find the Blair Witch Twigs. And it's really late that they find the Blair Witch mm. Twigs, including Chewbacca. Yep. I hated that scene. Oh, my God. <laughs> Love it. Uh, night four. They decide not to Imagine light if they fire. heard that in the woods, night four. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> We're saved. We're Can saved. we pause with like the twigs really fast? Like, do you think the actors knew they were going to like, what if they were just like, do you think they knew that they were going to come across all these huge fucking like twigs? I would say no. Not exactly what they're going to come across, but you're going to come across it and know it's obviously been set up because you've been oh, told yeah. to walk in this direction or whatever. But I think that's the beauty of it. it. It's so easy to forget, like like that guy with the army training for a week, how much your brain is broken down. Like, you know, a week seems like nothing. Three days, four days, you know, mm-hmm. and they had the break in the middle to go and get some a night in a motel because of the rain and all that shit. But it, yeah, you, your brain gets broken down so quickly. So like you'd still do that and see it, but it'll be just that little part of you. Just like, what if something else is happening? That scene, I thought there, I mean, I think the actors, that was one of my favorite scenes because like the fear, like the real fear started for me was like, that was then. Like mm-hmm. at first I thought it was like the map scene when the, jo- you know, not Josh, Mike reveals is finally lost. But for that scene, like we got to go like, please stop filming. When they yeah. stop like being angry and just start like begging her. Yeah. That yeah. was when I was like, oh, the actors have reached a breaking point. Well, yeah. But- I just had a moment where I was like, all right. They should do like a new nightmare style Blair Witch film where it's sort of a bit kind of film within a film. And then I remembered Book of Shadows, not to spoil anything. <laughs> we'll get that. Yeah, because they see the twigs and then that night they decide not to light a fire because the past two nights something happened when they lit a fire. But it doesn't help them because then they hear children crying. And this I remember in cinema, this is one of the freakiest bits in the mm. film. It's the only time that really anything happens. You kind of break the rules of when could we see stuff without seeing stuff. That doesn't happen any other point in the film. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a strange moment. But you hear the cr- children crying and then fucking hands all over the tent. Yeah. That's what that was? That's what that was, yeah. Oh, my God. Because that's cool, that too, because, like, you see, oh. you kind of hear the, the sounds and it's in the dark. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of get the light in the tent with yeah. them. And then suddenly just sits with <laughs> Yeah, I thought the that was the them. Top. Like, I was like, are they trying to take down the tent in the middle no, of like people this? from outside. You, oh. Which is the directors and stuff must have been so fun because you'd have to have one or two people out in the woods playing tapes in different places yeah. and then everyone else ready around the tent just to fucking go at them. Um, and then they've obviously been told something's going to happen tonight, bolt from the tent, you know, yeah. and spend the next hour outside or something. That's probably what they were told. And they do. They bolt from the tent. We get to go outside. You have screaming. It's such a great moment. It's a classic bit of the trailer. Very iconic film uh, bit. 
I love the line, that little line from him, Heather when they're screaming at her to keep up and she's like, my boots aren't laced. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. nice. And then she's just screaming and then she looks back and you get the, oh my God, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? Yeah. And it's and it's chilling because of her acting. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like she does great voice acting here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and between the children and then the pouring at the tent, if you get it, it's the pouring <laughs> with Miss Helen. And then them running and that screaming of what the fuck is it? What the fuck is it? And then you know that you're sitting, they turn off the lights and they're just sitting outside in oh, the fucking woods in the dark. That bit's fucked when he's like, turn off the lights. And they're like, and you're like, why? What? Where are you going? What, what are you going like, to do? What are you going to do? Just sit. And this is where they did it briefly, very briefly earlier, but this is really where they begin the thing that's going to be the crucial thing for the end of the film where they don't have the dat with them. So they're not recording. So like for people yeah, don't know, it's like you have bad but okay sound inside the color camera the digital one with the film camera you don't have sound patched into that you record it separately which is what mikey's there for with his boomstick he's obviously not there to do that for this scene so you're only getting sound from the color one so when you cut to the black and white camera the sound is coming from the color one and that's where all the power of the disorientation comes in because you're not hearing what you're seeing um, and it's brilliant. Yeah, when all this audio video split kind of starts happening, yeah, it just is because you start yeah. to feel unhinged from yeah. those two cameras, like they do. It's uh, how much of that was decided on before they did it. How much was just in post of them going, "Oh, actually, we can only take sound from here," and then going, "Oh, this works beautifully." I don't yeah. know, but whether it's accident or design, it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And this is the first time they really start doing it. And this whole scene is one of the absolute highlights, mm-hmm. I think, of the film. Um, but it is weird because you see those hands on the tent and that is okay we saw something without seeing it <laughs> have been spanning us <laughs> i like i don't think you understand like i know you guys have been on this rodeo before but i was really having a hard time getting through the film like yeah I, right yeah it was rough times while we were watching it i <laughs> Alex just moved forward a little bit on the couch <laughs> and I full on like flailed. <laughs> I almost parted. Like it was yeah. horrific. But no, this movie is terrifying. Absolutely terrifying, especially this scene. That makes me happy that it still is. But yeah, they wait out here till dawn. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just sitting there and it's really bright. And then they're like, all right, let's head back. They go to the tent. It's all been messed with. There's funny lines again suddenly. It was like the slime on a bottle. It's like, no, nah, it's water. It's like, no, it is slime. What the fuck, man? It's all over my stuff. <laughs> His accent. And then Josh's shit has been thrown around. And there are broken stick figures, I think. Yeah. She's like filming little branches that look like broken mm-hmm. oh. figures. And then Josh takes Heather's camera. And we get a little bit of sort of dialogue. So I see why you like this camera so much. It's not quite reality. He does another line afterwards. I'm like, all right, we get it. You don't have to do quite. That one line was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A bit more. It's like, we don't need it, but... Uh, but then they just start, and I did write down, it's just getting frustrating. They just keep sitting down. Yeah. It's like, come on. Just, and again, I appreciate maybe you'd only film now when you're bored or sitting down, not when you're walking, but, but they're all losing it. Um, and then they especially lose it when they come to the tree that they crossed earlier and realize that somehow, even though they've only been walking south, they've been going in circles. Fuck. And it's such a simple thing. Yeah. But it's fucked. Shit. You just feel fucked. Now, here's where we get. A different bit that fucks with me and definitely tells me there's something else in the edit. Again, another mistake, I believe. Because you have Josh start doing the thing about where he's coming up to Heather on the tree and she starts crying. He's mm-hmm. like, this is your motivation. What's your motivation? What's your motivation? <laughs> yeah. 
And at one point, he says, the witch left little trinkets. You took one of them. Now she's after you. We don't That's see your that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we never see her take anything. Yeah. We don't see her take a rock. We don't see her take a stick figure. I presume it was a stick figure. I presume there's a yeah. bit from that scene where she takes a stick figure. Which so, may relate to the broken one. If yes. you see. Oh, that's true. That could be. Oh, maybe that's all it's really meant to be. But then we don't get any recognition of it. Yeah. That you're suddenly realizing, oh, she took a stick figure and they broke it. Yeah. Yeah, that probably is what it is. Yeah. But there's not enough there for you to really understand that yeah. correlation. I wouldn't have joined those. Up if... Okay. All right. Well, then it is kind of there. I'm going to give it to them then. But then they needed like one more little bit. Either yeah. we see her doing it and they don't or... Someone's mm-hmm. saying, well, did you take a fucking, like, is yeah, that yeah. one of those, fine? like, something. And it's just weird that they don't make that more obvious. Yeah, and then and then that perverse little bit where it's like, are you going to write us a happy ending, Heather? And then she walks off crying. And I do really feel for her. Because mm-hmm. it's not her fault. Night five. They're talking about mom's mashed potatoes and a piece of us. Oh, man. <laughs> Fuck. And then that's it. Night five, nothing happens. They wake up. Josh is gone. So these are bits where, again, the actors did not know this was going to happen. Josh was given a little note to say creep out of this time, blah, blah, blah. They really? wake up. He's gone. Oh, man. Um, and obviously you're going to think, well, this must be part of it. We know we're getting towards the last day of filming. You know, it's going to culminate with stuff. They've set up Josh already. But still, you're going to be a little bit of you. It's always going to be like, mm, something else happening. Um, and Heather's screams for him here are fucking great. And then when they're trying to decide should he go east or west. I love Mikey going, which was the, what was it, Wicked Witch of the West or Wicked Witch? Which one was the bad one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we don't see, but it's weird though, because they literally go from that, all right, which way should we walk this day? And then you cut and they're putting up a tent for nighttime. But also her, like, I love that moment when she's like, I'm fine. Like, she's clearly, like, I'm just hungry. Like, I'm tired. My ponytail's stuck. Like, it's such like a human yeah. moment of her, you know, yeah. taking the reins. Oh, like, I, I need to keep it yeah. together. The ponytail beats great. Yeah. Yeah. All right, night six. We hear Josh screaming in the distance. It's fucked up. And clearly a way that he can't speak properly as well. Like they've clearly yeah. must have like put liquid in his mouth or something because it sounds like he's got blood in his mouth yeah. while they scream. It's fucked. And it's it just fucked. the right sound mix distance. Yep. It's so good. It's Ugh. chilling. It is chilling. But yeah, that bit still gets me. And then when, because when they're looking out, there's their cold breath in front of the torchlight. When they go mm-hmm. like, Josh, and you just yeah. see this plume of like cold breath. Yeah, love it. Um, and then we're morning. They're going pretty quick again, which I love, which I appreciate. And she finds the bundle, uh, which initially is just twigs wrapped in straight bits of Josh's shirt, and then she throws it away. And a hundred percent, she was not meant to throw it away because she later on just goes back to it for no reason and mm. what must have happened was some interference of like no you need to go check on the fucking twigs yeah, yeah because clearly they bundled it up thinking oh they're gonna look and see what this was and instead she does what you would do which is yeah. like oh fuck this and yeah. throws it away and so yeah then she like heads back over to it unwraps it for no real reason um and we get a pretty i always imagine remember it's quick but it's because the last bit's quick isn't it yeah we actually see it for a long time and we're going to have some different opinions here. And there's always been different opinions of what mm. it is. I've always seen a tongue mm-hmm. and teeth. And then at the end, a lot of teeth. And this time, like you said. I've always seen teeth. Hair. Yeah. And this time I noticed hair. Yeah. Heaven saw I her mother. I saw. <laughs> it's a Rorschach test. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw my mom. Uh, <laughs> I, saw t- um, I saw tongue and then I got scared and I looked away. And when I looked back, the clip was gone. So I just saw tongue. Oh, you didn't see the final bit? Uh, no, I got scared. Because <laughs> she's like screaming and screaming, well, like whimpering or whatever at it. 
and we're looking at it really up close and it definitely looks like a couple of teeth with the tongue but then at the last second she just pulls back the extra bit and there's a whole fucking load of teeth like it's like all the teeth bundle theory oh the bundle theory is what alex found online what does it say in the bundle theory oh oh fuck i'll I'll look it up in one second i just wanted to see the image of can you imagine though like again you know it's fake but your friend's gone missing. It's wrapped in this stuff. You open it up. They obviously use like a real, probably animal tongue or whatever. So where are you seeing okay, the but tongue? That. Yeah. That. Oh, that you think is tongue? Oh, yeah. I just thought that was a big molar. Well, that's a tooth for sure. Okay. See, I always thought that was, a, that was a tooth and that was like a big molar. I mean, maybe it is, but I always saw that as a tongue and then the teeth around it. Interesting. Go and see what the internet says. What does the series say? Let's see. Either way, it looks fucked up. Oh, jeez. Blair Witch Project. Oh, won't connect. You can't connect to anything. <laughs> Don't go to angelfire.com. That's all we can tell you. Angelfire. Uh, I'll keep going. You have a little look. So then this is the, also the only time we get any real tenderness. Heather goes over and gives Mike a hug. And they have a nice little snuggle in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she doesn't tell Mike about this either, right? No, she doesn't. She that oh yeah, no, that's the scene when she's like, Oh, I'm fine, I'm just hungry, I'm just tired and Oh yeah, yeah, and then gets a hair and then Mike's eating a leaf. Yeah. <laughs> night seven. So we know this has to be the last night because there's been a repetition of sevens constantly. And no nothing comes up. This isn't like paranormal activity where it ticks through night one, two, three, four, five. But I if you're counting, this is night seven. Gonna bring this up earlier. I think it was right before uh Josh disappeared, but it was like it's three AM, like tell him please tell me it's like not three AM. It was three AM, they go out, there's three rock piles. Oh yeah. And like the th- you know, like the three of like the witching hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I feel like as much as there's also the The threes and the seven, sevens. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know why seven. No idea why. What's up? No, no, just reading about the bundle. So one person here on one kind of, uh, what are these called? Notice boards? I don't know. <laughs> what are these modern <laughs> places? Um, his thing was saying that it was Josh's tongue and that he read somewhere in folklore which could cut someone's tongue out and steal its, his voice. Oh, which makes oh, perfect sense oh, with the next oh. night. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. So that's which what it is. is fucked. Although she gives his tongue back, which is weird, but... Uh, well, she gives his tongue to them. It's not like she's not like the witch is then using his tongue or something, you know, mm. or eating it or anything. Well, that makes perfect sense because, yeah, we're at night seven. We'll get Heather's immortal eulogy, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Her confession. Although on, on this fan Blair Witch wiki page, they say that Heather found Josh's bloody teeth and gums oh. wrapped in his shirt. I like the tongue idea of the witch using his voice because that's what's about to happen. Yeah, the next that's a really cool like, theory. Oh, which makes sense because these guys good. were super into this old witch shit. Like they fucking watch so much stuff. Like they really know their witch folklore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense they would take something like that for inspiration. All I oh wait no we're gonna get there we're gonna get there in a second. Okay. Um, I have my questions. So yeah, Heather's Heather's confession. I mean, it's still fantastic, isn't it? I don't know how much they really gave her with this. I don't know how she got that angle to be just so perfect and just the abandonment of, sure, I could be snotty and just, you know, and I know it's been mocked a lot, but it's mocked a lot because it's so good. In her eye, like the light shining in her eyes and also in juxtaposition with her first shot in the entire film where she's so put together, it's like the kind of, you know, out of focus to just crystal clear. Mm -hmm. So tight. Yeah, it's so, so tight. Um, and I believe every word of it. Yeah, absolutely. I really do. 
Um, and it's so lovely to see her being that, that incredibly um, interesting. I, it's so, uh, we'll get back to it in a second. But yeah, it's just so incredible to see her that vulnerable and that just like she thinks it's all her fault, mm-hmm. you know? And it's it's so needed at this point. Like, I don't yeah. know where Mike is. Like, he would wake up with her doing all this stuff. Yeah. But it's so needed at this point before we go into this final hall to like really sympathize and feel terrible. About yeah. It. She knows. And that final sentence of we're going to die out here. And then just cutting and you're just like, oh. And, and, and the other part in that is the admission or the acknowledgement, I guess, that they're being hunted, which yeah. uses the word hunted. Yeah. And it's just like, fuck. Like, yeah, like you don't even believe that you're just lost anymore. You believe that something is out here. Something is coming for you. And something is coming for you. And the terror in that. And yeah, that, mo- that moment is just so iconic. Yeah. No, it's excellent. It's such an iconic horror moment. So Alex has uncovered something here from the commentary which claims that it's just teeth, right? Yeah, so some people here are saying that on the DVD commentary, they say that it's teeth. But then this girl here also says that it could be the tongue because she is sure that a part of the original Blair Witch story, she cut out the children's tongues. Yeah, I think I remember that from the dossier. Yeah. And oh, then again, they told on her. Or they, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which again, I just, I'm going to, I like idea. that because we're going with now, which has always confused me. Josh is screaming again, like seven, but he's much more audible and he's using words. Yeah. That's what I, okay. If she saw his teeth, she saw his tongue. Why are you running out of the tent? Clearly you, he can't be that clear. Well, like, she even I, remarks on it. She's like, this is impossible. Like she says something like that. Not those are that words, but she says something to the effect of he couldn't make sounds now. And I really love that idea then of the witches for whatever thing is using. Yeah from cutting his tongue out can use his voice or something to like yeah. call them to her it's cool cool a bit of yeah why she would go i don't know but they've just reached the end of the tether and i think it's like and he does sound closer mm-hmm. so i think they're just like we have to like try we gotta do something because what else are they gonna do so they decide to go take a little look see and come across a house and this is gonna be rustin parr's house whether or not it's on the same ground as ellen ellen what's her name sorry ellie ellie kedridge Kedwood. Kedwood. Yeah. Witchy lady. Well, I mean, she didn't have a house, did she? She was just tied to a tree until she died. Well, but presumably she lived somewhere before she was tied to a tree. But it wasn't in the woods because she was banished to the woods. Oh, yeah. Good point. Oh, so you think Rustin Park living in the woods and her being out there is how they just connected, basically. Mm. They're hanging out in the same spots. But then interestingly, on the grounds where they find the tapes, in the middle of that like frame of the house, yeah. there's a tree growing oh growing through the house oh i did not know but and it was burnt down and we're still not getting any information about the burning down of the house but we'll get to that in a second but yeah so they come across the house and this is it like this is the last five minutes of make or break any mm-hmm. found footage movie and the imagery here again i'm not feeling anything anymore sadly at all but the imagery here is so good oh yeah i couldn't like- and and again this is like playing with the split audio video in this part it's just and it gradually happens because they ebb away from each other yeah. exploring and then suddenly they go all the way up to the top and After then we see some black hand, hands yeah children's like, hands so great and then they split and mike suddenly thinks he hears him in the basement so he just goes fucking running down to the basement leaving heather behind and that's when the audio just goes so whenever you're with heather it's like you're with him down the bottom he gets then like knocked unconscious we presume mm-hmm. or whatever falls to the ground 
And then we cut to just Heather's camera left in black and white. And all you can hear is her screaming, but you're hearing it from his camera in the basement. Mm -hmm. And it's so chilling because then you're just gradually hearing her getting closer. But from her perspective. Yeah. And it's so fucking good. And she gets down to that basement, pans around. You see, I don't know why my head, obviously it doesn't make any sense, but the body structure would look more like Mike, but obviously it's Josh standing in the corner. This is Mike. But Mike's like on the floor because when her camera falls in that last frame, it looks like, oh, is that meant to be Josh on the floor then already dead? You saw someone on the floor? 100% in that last frame. There's someone's like hat or whatever. Yeah, I was always positive that that was um, Mike. Me too. That was Mike. Me yeah. too. But then that means he would have to be knocked unconscious and then well, told to stand up. He and... was just possessed by the witch at that point. It was like, you know, in the corner. Yeah, you go stand in the corner. Right, right. Or just the camera was knocked from his hand. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hang on, why can't I get this? Sorry, I'm trying to sync up here so I can check this. But there's 100%, well, not 100% because I could be wrong in a couple of seconds. But I've always, always, always seen there's like some hunched body at the end, at the very, very end in the last frame. That definitely looks like mine. Yeah, that's what I always thought. But it just confused me with with, with then the sense of we got knocked out. Okay, so definitely Mike in the corner. People are finding shit. That's what I mean. They didn't put Easter eggs in these films. Like, they didn't do you it. You don't. I'm trying to see the bit where. Yeah. Heather falls. Try and get it. Try and get it up. Here, I'll find it on YouTube. It's really annoying because I've got it on my iTunes, but it's just not loading it properly. That it's last great scene listening is... for people. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, tell us about your feelings on the last scene, Heather. The, um, the last scene? No, I mean, I was. I don't think I've been this uncomfortable or like anxious during a film like in like this is just raw anxiety yeah yeah we're at that you can keep talking fine we're just uh, watching heather go down like, to the basement oh it's easier i have to be truthful actually like i panicked at the last second and i couldn't look are you kidding yeah so that could have no, just I easily saw been all the of camera it except for oh yeah you're right so that could just be like his camera this last part the here and then we got, there's some symbols on the wall Coming down. Let's no. hear that lovely screaming again, shall we? Yeah. Okay, now I'm rewatching it with full eyes and open heart. Oh, I don't watch this actually. It's just so horrible. So horrible. God, her screams are so good too. Yeah, good screamer. Alright, so we got Mike down in the corner. She gets knocked down. Like here. See the oh, arm yeah. and the hat Where? and then the back. Where? Oh, damn. Wait, what? No, those are rocks, maybe. I always saw that as that's meant to be Josh or what well, that's what it was. Okay, so um, I did watch it. Um, which, yeah, I don't know. I mean, either way, like, he's he's gone. So it makes sense if it's him, but if it's not him, it doesn't really matter. Either. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and then, and then we get that chilling, just stuttery camera, which I'm also like, did that happen on purpose or did they drop, did they do a fight club and just drop that 16 millimeter camera and just fucking let it shudder? Or did they, I don't know. What if they had someone jump scare her and she really just dropped it? But because I don't feel they would have done an effect for it, but it's such a perfect last juttery frame. I'm still trying to figure out where you see his body. Well, again, this is like especially blurry for the first few seconds. It doesn't look this bad. But like it, the head and then the back and then the arm coming out because it's obviously that's the ground and that's mm -hmm. the wall coming up. So we're looking at it. So that's his head. Yeah. His head's like towards the line on the ground. But it looks weird now. What's this? Is this his face? Blur. 
No, no, that's just in front of her. But then if she's disemboweling them, wouldn't he be on his like stomach or on his back? So don't know, I don't stomach, have all the answers. Yeah, I loved that last scene just because it was so... I mean, I don't know. It might not be, but that's just how I've always seen it. It was like we're seeing the, the confirmation mm. of, yeah, Josh is mm -hmm. dead. Mike's there in the corner about to die. And now she's going to be the third one. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to see what other people feel about it. There's been a weird ambling podcast. No. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. That's the movie. And then we get long, 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 long end credits, which take a long time. Did you notice? Mm -hmm. Do you know why? Yeah. Because they were so good at editing this movie down to make it shorter and shorter and shorter. It was too long originally. They did, they edited it down so much, Heaven, that it wasn't long enough to be counted as a feature film for festival submissions. Man. So the only way they could make it a feature film was they had to prolong the end credits ha! so long. That's that it, funny. It was of feature length, basically. So that's why it drags when you get to the end. But fuck me, that sound, the sounds at the end are like the rocks and the mm -hmm. echoes are like, oh, it's the perfect chilling end title. Because mm -hmm. you haven't had any music really in the film or anything like that. And no score for sure, which I really appreciate. And a lot of found footage movies fuck that up, putting score over or putting subtle sounds, which you're like, this is not real. Mm -hmm. I love that this is just naked, this whole film. And then by the yeah. end, you suddenly get horrible music. Yeah, that's the Blow Witch Project. Um, now, questions. Heaven, not to ruin things moving forward, but a couple of quick questions. With yes. You. Number one, do you wish you had seen The Witch in this? Even for a glimpse. I kind of, see, I turned away and I thought I was missing something at the end because I thought I was going to see her feet floating off the ground. Mm. And I just couldn't take that. Oh, that sounds cool. I would have loved that. Like I thought it was going to, the camera was going to fall or like I didn't want to see her face. Like I didn't want to get just that ruined. Like... I just wanted to see the feet off the ground. And I was just like, oh, I was so that's cool. that's wired really cool. at the end of this. I was like, I can't even bear that. So, but yeah, actually, no, I think that would have been, I kind of wish I just saw that. Just a little taste. No, of... yeah. Because I feel like if they had revealed her, then it would have just given it would have, you know, discredited, I feel like, everything they worked so hard to, like, yeah, not show. Like, maybe a taste. Like, what they did with the hands. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily... I mean, again, I think it's great they don't show anything. And yeah, there's always a little bit of you don't want to see something, but I like that idea, just something really subtle like that, like the feet just above the ground and really blurry because of how they shot it. Mm -hmm. Or even having her as the one who's got her back to you, you know? So you don't know 100% it's the witch, but yeah, you see someone with their back, that's her. And it's yeah. not one of them, but it's like a different figure. And you're like, wait, who the fuck is that? And just for like a second, not yeah. long enough for you, almost like not long enough for you to register it. Yeah, because we don't know. This is the thing with this. We don't know, like, is it the ghost of Rustin Parr? Is it someone else that's like like Rustin Pard, that she's taken over and this person is a physical person again. Is it the actual witch? You know, like we don't know mm -hmm. who's doing this stuff to them, which I think is great. Which I guess if you show anything, then it's going to cement what it is, mm -hmm. which makes it tricky. Do you, f them getting lost in the woods, do you want that all explained more? Or are you happy with it just being this nebulous thing? I mean, no, because people get lost in the woods all the time. Okay, don't watch like the 2016 they... film then. All right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no <laughs> not to spoil things but yeah we're gonna get that's gonna go deep in the law you're gonna see you want to see the witch you will yeah and they're gonna really get into why all this stuff happens what these sounds are um and how the woods work essentially and how the woods work there's gonna be a sort of science to it which is gonna get weird but we'll get there when we get there 
It's gonna I be look a few suspicious weeks away. for the people who can't see me. <laughs> you do suspicious. look very suspicious. I mean, if you want to see... Okay, so here's the thing. Oh, actually, let's do this Wait, quick, no, no. Ken. After the success of the movie, Haxon Films and set up their base camp in Orlando, began working on various TV projects. I'm not showing you anything. You're fine. Keep your hand Because I can't... I really can't stand to see any witch right now. Like, I'll You're cry. Fine. Um, and Ed and Dan's next feature film, Alex. You're thinking after Blair Witch Project, what are they going to do? These two guys are going to work What are they working on next? They're going to work on a film called Heart of Love, which was to be a comedy in the vein of Airplane and Monty Python. What? <laughs> yeah, actually, I understand the jump. Makes sense. <laughs> Can't even make it up. Uh, it didn't work out. It fell apart, even though money was spent on, on doing storyboards and things and uh, animatics, I believe. Meanwhile, though, artists and entertainment, they owned the rights for Blair Witch, you see. Um, and they wanted to recreate, of course, the box office success of the original. You got 240 million off of 60,000 or whatever. Yeah, let's do that again. Um, so they do the only thing that a fucking LA studio is going to do. I think Artisan Entertainment LA. I don't know. So they set a sequel release date of Halloween 2000 the next year. Ooh. Far too tight a turnaround for the original creators to be involved to make, yeah, Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows. <laughs> we'll get to next week oh no it won't the week after but don't fear Haxon Films the original creators weren't yet done with the world of Blair Witch but we'll get into that more next week because we will be talking about that next week with Burkittsville 7 and Shadow of the Blair Witch this is not as campy as for some reason I thought Blair Witch was going to be <laughs> and it's a very uh, rude awakening uh, we'll have some campy ones don't worry yeah, no I will. I can say pretty safely if you're worried about being scared, you got a few weeks off. Yeah, okay, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about, yeah, like I said, the, the black books as they're called, Book is Full Seven and Shadow of the Blair Witch. But before we get there, I want to know what you both think about the Blair Witch project. Does it still work? And is, is it? Is it okay on its own? I guess. Does it need the curse of Blair Witch? Does it need the Blair Witch 2016 or anything else? Is it, Alex? Let's start with you, buddy. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, if that's the right word, to come back to this film. I was so excited to start this franchise, to finally watch this film with you because we haven't watched it together. Um, yeah, but it's a film we've talked about a lot and how much we love it, and and I still do. Like, I mean, I I still, you know, I did watch this tonight with a more kind of technical eye, I guess. And yeah, there were a few things, as I mentioned in the podcast, that I that maybe I didn't notice before from a technical point of view. But I still think this film is is just absolutely exceptional and probably probably my favorite horror film. I think, um, yeah, I just think it's so wonderfully cast, wonderfully acted. I love the choice that they yeah that they let the actors film this. Because I think through that we are truly getting their points of view and and sort of feeling the journey with them. Yeah, I think it's the perfect length. I couldn't imagine a, a two and a half hour version of this. No, thank you. Because yeah, it, it would start to feel like okay, we're just getting a repetition of people arguing in the woods. And I think the pacing overall of this film is 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 really great it does escalate faster than i remember but it works and it's still yeah it gives me goosebumps i still find it you know it doesn't 
affect me as much as it did, but I still find it very unsettling and it will stick with me um, after tonight. If there wasn't any of the Curse of Blair Witch stuff and any of the lore, this would still be a great standalone film. I think that just really enriches the whole the whole franchise and the whole film. And I think the way that it was used at the time was such a game changer for me and had such a huge impact that I could have all this stuff leading into it, which made me question whether it was real or not, and then finish the film and still have a bunch of kind of law and history that I could dive into. Like it's such an incredible achievement. Yeah, that I don't think, as we said, could be repeated in a, in the same way. And like you were saying before, Al, it was the fact that it's sort of right on the cusp here of as we're breaking into the sort of digital age of film. It's just it's just so good. It's it's that it's got that perfect kind of raw feel to it, um, you know, which I think can get lost in today's found footage films. Yeah, I still love this film. It still creeps me out. Yeah. I, I already want to watch it again. Evan. So, yeah, this was, you know, both Curse of the Blair Witch and the Blair Witch. It's my first true experience with the franchise, and I absolutely loved it in the way that I'm terrified right now. I mean, even discussing this and thinking of, you know, the scenes from when they're running in the woods, hearing the children crying all the way up until they hear um, what they think is Josh calling. Like, I was anxious and like mm-hmm. my body could still feel that oh god like panic through them you know like secondhand panic just discussing it and i think since i wasn't you know i wasn't alive i was alive but i wasn't like cognizant for this time period and to experience this the same way that um alex and al did but it holds up and it's terrifying in a way that, you know, I remember my first real found footage thing I saw was Cloverfield. And I was scared watching Cloverfield, but this is entirely different. And I thought it was really human and really raw, especially mm-hmm. the shakiness and effective in the way they like, it's a slow burn of their panic. Yeah. Until finally, it's just not. It's a cacophony of just chaos and horror. But I, I'm a fan of the Blair Witch, and I'm no longer a fan of camping. Absolutely, <laughs> but it definitely does. I think stand the testament of time, one hundred percent. And I think, like Alex said, you know, the Curse of Blair Witch does enrich in the franchise, but this can stand alone on itself. And I think it takes on a whole different level of eeriness mm-hmm. without knowing all of this background history because I feel like you kind of prepare yourself to really know like the doom they're walking into when you watch Curse of Blair Witch first. But this, like you don't know like the full scope of what kind of like terror they're dealing with. Yeah. And I think that's a whole different level of scary for someone else who hasn't like watched the franchise if they don't feel like watching the Curse of the Blair Witch. It would be, yeah, I think it's a different experience to just not know. Yeah. Yeah. But... Yes. Can I add something? Great. It's your birthday. I'll allow it. (laughs) Like I've, we've talked about it before, like the the spooky, supernatural, ghosty kind of things are the horrors that freak me out the most. But a thing I like about, the thing I like in horrors is when it always balances that line of, are we seeing the kind of mental and psychological decay of someone? 
or are they really experiencing something mm-hmm. supernatural? And the great thing about this film is that we are seeing the psychological and mental sort of decay of these people mm-hmm. because they're lost in the woods. Like that's that removing the essential, uh, the yeah. supernatural element and having just that as a premise and seeing that panic, it, we see. But then we're also witnessing as an audience things that they can't explain mm-hmm. and we can't explain. That is terrifying. And so you have these two kind of things happening and kind of feeding back over each other. And I love that. I love that kind of yeah sort of pull between those two But you couldn't have if you had seen something. I mean, again, the hands break it. The hands yeah, yeah. like, oh, like, no, that happened. Yeah. Um, unless you haven't. Then it didn't <laughs> but no, I agree. And I've read whole things about how it's not about a witch. It's about madness. And I've mm-hmm. read whole things about it. it's actually Josh. Like people think it's actually Josh just goes crazy. Basically. Right. And... And there's a way that they can make that make sense with what the ending is and stuff. Yeah, right. I don't like, but yeah, I like what you're Like saying. a Josh killed them kind of theory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, oh, wow. Which I'm, I'm less interested. Because I do like things to get spooky. Like I yeah, do like sure. knowing, no, there's definitely something weird and supernatural going on. Mm-hmm. But I do like it when I don't show it too much. So, yeah. You know, and this is the extreme version of that. Partly, probably just budgetary. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like they would have shown more, maybe. If they if had, they had, had a budget. Yeah. If I could possibly add one last oh thing. It's not your fucking birthday. <laughs> I apologize. Sorry. Do I have permission, birthday boy? Yeah, go for it. Thanks. <laughs> um, Hi, Jack. There's been a coup. <laughs> say lovey. I think it's also really interesting because, you know, when people speak about like, oftentimes talk about paranormal experiences happening to them in real life, they don't ever see it. Like a lot of times mm-hmm. like, I feel something, something crashed, but they never saw a concrete thing i think that's another thing that was so effective about it too especially in the shots where the camera's panning into darkness where you just you can't see anything yeah is because in you know in real life sometimes when you're going through that you can't see anything Mm -hmm. so i think it's another like that's something else that ups the believability factor because it's so yeah i hate yeah it's so realistic and Mm -hmm. nothing you can't do that now there's no way you could recreate blair witch now well, they're going to try I in 2016 no, with modern stuff. You're going to see. We don't need to do that. <laughs> You're going to see. Um, you've made me very happy, though, Heaven, because you've come into this basically fresh, never seen the ending, which I didn't realize. And you, you're saying it works. And that makes me so happy. When you can mm-hmm. take old horror films and they can still affect people like that, particularly a film that shows nothing in an age where kids need things shown more and more and more and more and more, you mm-hmm. know? And it's it's just like a generational thing, which I completely understand. Like we needed more than our parents needed, mm-hmm. more. Like it's just we gradually want to see more because we've already had that before. But then it becomes a problem with horror. It's like you got to reel it back in, and that's great. If a film like this literally shows nothing other than some hands on the tent, you get that much fear out of it. I didn't know that you're having that much trouble <laughs> when watching it. Oh yeah. And I'm, I guess I'm sorry, no. but I'm really happy because it's like, really. yeah, you got that fear uh, juice that we needed. But uh, that feeds You're me welcome. because here's the problem. Yeah. This has always been my favorite horror film because of that first experience, because mm. I can't ever, nothing will ever make me feel that way yeah. ever. And I can't mm. remove that, but to look at it just objectively, yeah, there are some problems here. Like I do, there's a couple of actual mistakes from now dissecting it in there, mm. which I don't think they explain properly. And there are bits in it that annoy me a little bit, bits where I feel like, yeah, that could like pacing could change. That bit of acting is not great. But the ride is so unique and not even just looking at it as a historical thing. It's like they just don't do it like that. Like Mm -hmm. they don't make 
um, found footage films like that and the trust and the acting is I thought they should have got an Oscar that year because I was like I believe they're real and other people <laughs> yeah, did yeah so exactly. surely that's great fucking acting yeah no just great control of that with the directing you know I, I it's a very unique very special film that sadly doesn't work for me anymore and that breaks my heart wow no because and I don't mean I don't like it anymore but I just mean I legitimately feel no fear whatsoever in it. right and maybe another time I would the last time I remember feeling fear from it, I had to watch it years ago on my own in a room with headphones on in the dark. What if you and I go camp, or the three of us go camping oh, and no, no, watch no. it in a tent? Don't know what. And I will say that's Wait always the line we've always talked about before, but like it's the putting the headphones on. Yeah. Once you remove yourself from feeling safe in your surroundings because yeah. anyone could be creeping up on you and you're just in that world, that's how every horror film, you really want to be scared, that's yeah. how you watch a fucking horror film by yourself mm-hmm. in the dark with headphones on. No and way. it is, destroys you. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure I'd still feel something if I did that with this film. But found footage, like, I, one of the reasons I used to set found footage is because it's kind of easy to do that. You know, there are really bad found footage films that still scare me just because your brain thinks it's real. Mm-hmm. This one just does it to the best degree. Like it's 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 one of the greatest horror films of all time. Um, and whether you hate the result of it or not, you have to at least appreciate it and the way it's been constructed. But more than that, it's an incredible artistry of, yeah, creating a universe. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really is. Absolutely. It's really, really special with that. And you can, it's not a traditional movie, so it's hard to judge it like that. But there is still artistry in how they're putting it together and controlling those elements and building that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's pretty remarkable. And what's most fascinating is where this franchise goes. Like, that's why I'm really, I'm genuinely really excited. And I really want to get to 2016 now. I'm really like, I'm in the mood towards the 2016 mm-hmm. one right now. I'm probably going to have to wait a few weeks. Yeah, because it'd be cool to watch the just that and 2016 back to yeah. back yeah because mm-hmm. ostensibly it's that's a double bill really yeah the main line i guess also wait i forgot to answer this question they yeah they could have left it at this i feel like they didn't need to do another franchise to explain anything else like part of the fear and the horror mm. and the beauty of it was that you don't know what happened and i feel like they could have just left it like all right this is case of missing people you don't mm-hmm. know what happened but you know it ended tragically well, we have a weird, weird one next week because, like we said, we're going back to the mm-hmm. kind of mockumentary. We're going back to the sort of Curse of the Blair Witch style thing, mm-hmm. which is going to lead into Book of Shadows. Okay. Um, so it is a stopgap, I guess, week next week. But I haven't seen either of those, so I'm intrigued to see what they paint and if they can enrich mm-hmm. Book of Shadows. But, in heaven, the next film for most people would be Book of Shadows. Do you want them to go back to the found footage well, or do you want them to do something different? You can't, I feel like you can't do Blair Witch without the found footage world mm-hmm. because then it's, it's not Blair Witch. Like you just can't do it. Yeah. And I feel like if you go outside of the found footage world and you're just making, it's, what is it? Uh, it's just <laughs> Crucible. It's Crucible in the Woods or like the mm. witch. Yeah. It's not Blair Witch though, which is so like iconic. Like you think found footage, you think Blair Witch. So between the next one and again, we've got two more main line. We've got Book of Shadows and then you've got Just Blair Witch 2016. If Both of those me. really ideally should be found footage, um, but at least one of them, you're hoping. I better see a camera shaking every single film. Mm. Mm. Something shaking in Book of Shadows. <laughs> Not too much shaking, enough shaking. We'll get her in a couple of weeks' time, sadly. Uh, we won't be able to cover next week. But yeah, uh, thank you guys for joining me. I've had... A good old time, a little bit tired, not going to lie, but... It's been fucking awesome. Yeah. So happy to revisit this film. 
I do have a little thing to quickly give give you on the thing in a, in a minute just before we sign off. I'd like okay. to tease something. Keep people listening for these final moments. But yeah, we'll be back next Friday to talk about Book of Shadows. I will be saying this, uh, and Sorry. this is to both of you, because you gave me that, that dossier out. I will be going through it with a fine-tooth comb. I'll be revisiting everything we've watched so far and I'll be sending probably little tidbits to you both about well, little facts that I find. And for the wrap Very up excited. or the future ones, we can still bring up extra little bits. If we find contradictions or things that mm-hmm. back up theories, great. Okay. Great. I want to know more. I want to understand this world. Because again, by the time we get 2016, they're going to really say, no, here are the laws. Yeah. And we need to know, does this stuff back that up or not? Yeah. What was I going to say? Sorry, you, uh, you had a little thing that you were going to uh, give us. Yeah. Who cares? Just go to Weird Geeks and just subscribe and rate us and watch Starfish <laughs> somewhere and tell people you hate it and that's fine. And follow me, Mr. Al White, on everything. Oh, yeah, and on Instagram, also go to Neon Wolves. That's a company I'm involved with. We have some bits. We need people following us. Things. Alex is somewhere. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Alexander Chard. C-H-A-R-D. And Heaven's probably all over the place. Mm-hmm. You could find me on Instagram, heaven.devera. I realized I have a Twitter, which is also heaven.devera. There's nothing on there, but if you want to follow me, I'm I'm sure I could conjure something up. How do you spell devera? Oh, devera, D-E-V-E-R-A. And Simple. heaven, like, in the sky, Look maybe. Where you're hoping to go. Where Josh and Mike and Heather are right Ooh. now. Oh. <laughs> guys we will be back next week not to talk about book of shadows my apologies but the black books Mm -hmm. would you like to see quickly before you go so they did do a design for the blair witch oh geez no i can't i can't don't look it don't look it so excited looking a little birthday tree alex if you will todd mcfarlane do you remember todd mcfarlane great comic book artist really reinvigorated spidey uh, went off and invented Spawn. I was about to say Spawn, right? He then became the world's biggest toy manufacturer, basically, for like how much money they make, or the, at least for a while, making right. some great toys. He teamed up with them because he does a lot of horror toys oh. to do a Blair Witch toy. And this is like, post this movie. Post this movie, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what does, what does it look like? How are we going to do it? It came out in 2001, I think. So we've been just after Book of Shadows. And I'm like, we need to know what does the Blair Witch look like. So they gave them designs that they had to decide what a Blair Witch would look like. I'm not going to say whether this follows through for when you do eventually maybe possibly see the Blair Witch. could look different because this is a toy at the end of the day. Yeah. But this is how the Blair Witch... And people want to see this? Just Google Blair Witch Tom McFarlane toy. You're going to see it. There's actually two versions of it. But here she is. What? Wait. <laughs> She's sort of like a tree what the uh, figure. It looks like a yeah, it looks like a tree, um, a bit of pumpkin head, a bit of skeleton-y kind of look, not floating at all, in some blooded rags. Got some bundles of twigs with her. <laughs> There's a version where she has like, um, where is it? There's a version where she has like a proper kind of- It doesn't of... look like this picture up here, which looks kind of cool. Yeah, she got like a sort of scythe thing almost as well. What the fuck that is? It looks this basically like a death demon. It's nothing what I thought it was going to be. These Blair Witch toys kind of look like Harry Potter trees. You say Harry Potter? Yeah, you know, like the, like those tr- baby trees that you pull out of the pot and they uh. scream for a really long time. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. The yeah, screaming, they're called mandrakes. The screaming mandrakes. Oh, yeah, that's like how that. she also looks. It's like that. It's a oh, okay. Version. Oh, yeah. Was it, was it a little? More like a 
Like a decrepit woman a little bit. Yeah, I always picture her kind of like a Tristana from Wreck. Which there's a tiny bit of that to this, but yeah, not show so um would you be freaked out if you saw if you had seen her like this in the film? Show Heaven Tristana. Spoilers for a great movie. I'm talking big now though, but if I saw oh, any yeah, of this in true. the film I would have cried. Just don't tell her what film it's in. Well I have to put it in. Look away for a second. Oh. <laughs> this is our friend Tristana. I don't look at that. <laughs> I don't wanna look at that. <laughs> that one there. No. This one? This one she's wandering around in her house. <laughs> Up there. That one's good. That's me trying to run back from the bathroom. <laughs> Oh, those are really good. No, that's how I kind of imagined the Blair Witch to look like, like this. Yeah, I don't disagree. Terrifying. <sighs> Terrifying. Yeah. Anyway, we're really okay. like, this is great radio. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will be back next week. We'll do the Black Books and we're going to deal with those two documentary sort of things. Until then, we're out. Geeks. Geeks. Happy birthday, Alex. Happy Thank birthday. you. Thank you. 25 so years young. I got to watch this on my 25th birthday. Hello. We've never done what? this before. An addendum is required. However, a few days have passed. Uh, we're actually here to record the next ep exciting episode. And Alex has gone above and beyond taking on the duties of Blair Witch Detective. He's been, <laughs> he's been really... I kind of glance through things for the podcast and I remember things from before and listen to different stuff. Alex has delved deep into the dossier um, and some other resources online and found a few details. I have. Sorry, I'm just going through my notes here um, in our chat group. I was also distracted <laughs> and I guess I missed it. I didn't realize that you had sent Heaven and I each other's headshots. Yeah, so you knew what you looked like before you met. Beautiful. I did not know. Inaccurate. Anyway. <laughs> but yes, I have been going through the Blair Witch dossier by mm. D.A. Stern. DOS. The DOS. And... Going through the different transcripts and details and some of the questions we had in the movie, of which some have been answered. A few have been cleared up. So you're just going to very quickly shuffle us through anything that you feel is important to our review that we didn't take in. Yeah. So some things that are, and, and a couple of things that are just interesting and may come back later. I'll just say that. I'm excited. So here's one uh, thing from page 19 of the dossier. It's one of the transcripts, uh, an interview with Stephen Watley. I forgot who he was, some investigator. Steve, old Stevie boy. But he said that under the basement of that house, oh, he, I think maybe he's the anthropologist man. Yeah, I think he was. He said there's a short stretch of hidden passageway about four feet long in the basement of the house. It must have gone all the way down to the creek at one point. Uh, so put that, that in, makes more sense. Put that in so it's like an under, so you think there's maybe potentially an underground trapdoor to the creek, which is how the hand could reach out of two to three feet of water. Potentially. And also while while she's being flooded. Yeah. The, like the greasy the oil on the river, because you know, back then when the Egyptians yeah. would like burn the bodies by the like the river. Um, we did it under there and it would just go into the river. There you go. Like it, like it. So keep that one in your locker as well, because it may come back. Who knows? Who knows? Um, another interesting fact is the thing that we were talking about in the, in the episode was the timeline. Yes. Was a search party sent out yeah. while they were in the woods? I can confirm that a search party was sent out. So, on page 52 of the dossier, they talk about it's just after midnight on February 28th. This is from that Steve uh, Waitley guy again. Stevie boy. 
He said, I was listening to the interview tapes in the car and something hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm talking to Hart, who is the deputy, about the search party. And he was saying how by Thursday night, that's the 27th, they were on their second go round through the forest. But Buck, they should have found those kids because according to that footage Mrs. Donahue's got, they were still out there wandering around lost. Do you have a copy of the girl's journal pages? I think that ties in with the, what the girl was writing too. So... Confirmed. So they were they were looking for them while they were lost. They're saying they should have met because I'm guessing it's not that big an area. Is that what they're trying to say? It was only a mile around, yeah, right? Yeah. Something mm. like that. So they should have run into them. Yeah. Or heard them. Yeah. But they didn't have them. And didn't find any trace of them. What could that mean? What could that mean? I have no idea. Any Maybe ideas it will be explained in a future Maybe episode. It will. Maybe no one knows how to read maps. Also, crazy lady Mary Brown. Mm. in a later interview after they went missing with one of the investigators, claimed to have seen an apparition of Josh months after they went missing. She said he had missing teeth. He was holding onto his side, couldn't speak, and was in terrible pain. Sounds about right. It's normal Josh behavior, Friday night. Mm -hmm. Another thing we asked, whose house were they at? Indeed. Was it Rustin Parr's house? Yeah. Page 128. <laughs> I love that you wrote down the pages. Very oh, it's because nice. I've got the images here that I sent you guys. Yeah. They talk about Kyle Brody, who was one of the Burkittsville, well, not one of the Burkittsville 7, but one of the ones that survived. He was Burkittsville 8. Yeah. And he came in and, and basically testified against Rustin Parr. Uh, one of the investigators, Carlos Sonnenberg, talks about that he noticed in the footage from the Blair Witch Project, there was writing on the wall and these weird hieroglyphics yeah he held it next to a photo from the magazine article on kyle brody he said it's the same writing it's the same wall it's the same house the last scene in the kids footage is in rustin parr's house which is impossible because that house burned down in 1941 what does it mean heaven it means they weren't good at burning down houses out there (laughs) so coming up with contrasting yeah (laughs) and so if if any of our listeners read through the dossier you'll find it does go back to that several times about the ownership of that house and how, how far it goes back. And yep. yeah, it was in Rustin Parr's family and it was his house and it was definitely burnt down. And it was also the archaeology, uh, the the site, that the anthropology the team. Yeah, because they don't really the say dig. that for sure in curse. They're just like, oh, yeah. we found it under this wall. Yeah. It's good to have that confirmed. But I think particularly moving forward, that's mm-hmm. going to be important. So Also tied to that, I don't know if you're about to get to it or not, but you did some good digging over the whole teeth thing. Um, yes. So that was, uh, I think I mentioned that in the last podcast. Oh, we did? Yeah. Oh, then that, it, that it was teeth. Well, you've literally just heard us talk about it, so yeah. forget about it. Yeah. So these are just some interesting points. If you go into the dossier, there's a bit on Heather's journal. And throughout her journal, the idea is that Heather's mother gave it to a psychic who left notes, little post-it notes on the journal as she's like reading it. Hmm. And what's interesting, which I don't know if I like as a creative narrative choice, but uh, Heather describes before they go out to shoot that she feels a kinship with Ellie Kedwood and that she believes Ellie Kedwood was a survivalist who was basically thrown to the wolves and that she may have just been defending herself. Which is something all the the pagan and the Wiccan communities they interview also like really yeah. push for. Push for yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'll try how I feel about that one. Is she the protagonist? The so one big interesting question we had after we watched it was I think there's a comment by Mike about um, I think after Josh goes missing or it could be Josh when when shit starts hitting the fan, one of the uh, guys say to Heather, "You shouldn't have taken." 
one of the sticks or whatever. Yes, yes. And we obviously don't see that in the movie. But page 160 of the dossier from Heather's journal, um, she writes, um, to know what it is that's following us around, I think we have enough footage, certainly more bizarre shit than we anticipated. I just want us all to be home safe. The Scarecrow's voodoo dolls, whatever they were today, were disturbing. I got them all on both 16 and video plus. Video plus, I cut one down. I probably shouldn't have. The guys freaked out a bit when I did it, but I want to be able to look at it objectively when we get out of here. We will laugh about this someday. Again, bewildering that they don't leave that in, leave that in the film, considering we do see, yeah, the broken stick figure, then outside the knapsack mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, terrible night with the hands on the tent that haven't looked away for. Yeah, and when I um, sent that to you guys in our chat, our wrote in capitals, she took it! <laughs> Confirmed. Why on earth didn't they show that? It's weird. And those are it. That, that's it for, for Blair Witch. The rest, that's great. Yeah, the rest of the stuff I've got is for... I think it's all stuff. important. We've got the Ellie Kedwood thing, someone being in connection with stuff. We've got definitely a search party being sent out. We've got definitely Rustin Parr's house, but hey, it was already burnt down. So yep. what's going on there? Yeah, and her taking the sticks. We're getting, there's a lot more information that I think yeah. would have been useful. something in here I was just like skimming through. That's good research. But apparently... <laughs> Rustin Parr and Kyle Brody's mom had a one romantic night together. They had a romantic. No. Yes. <laughs> Fuck off. No. Okay. So listen to this. Hang on, so you're just flicking through. The, yes, I was the Rustin Parr, uh, the secret confession of Rustin Parr by D. A. Stern. The same. Well, page right, one twenty-three. It's a dossier. But I wasn't thinking about any of those things. My mind had jumped ahead to the house on First Street where Carol was waiting. She opened the door wearing a long white dress cinched at the waist with the belt. Her hair pulled back into a bun. A fire was blazing in the hearth behind her. Father, thank you for coming. Hold on, wait. Where is it? She's sleeping again, blah, blah, blah. I think you've said enough. <laughs> or in my embrace, her tears fell faster. She started sobbing, full-throated cries that shook her body and mind. She said things too, how her whole world was falling apart, how misunderstood Kyle was, how distant Michael had been to both her and their son, how much of a comfort our talks had been. What? To be truthful, I missed a great deal of it. The whole world to her to me was her in my arms. And when the worst of her crying had subsided and she pulled away from me, it again seemed natural. The human thing to do to wipe away her tears with my fingers. She looked up up at me then and said my Christian name and God help me, I was lost. Rusty. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, is this Rustin Parr? Is this the priest? Wait, yeah, it's the priest, isn't it? Because she oh, said, wait. welcome father. Oh, it's oh. A, oh, so she had an illicit affair with the priest, not Rusty. No, Did she or she's just getting comforted? Maybe no? she's getting comforted kept- by him. You are reading sex into things that isn't there, heaven. Maybe that I... Okay, maybe I just made a mistake. I'm sorry I misled you, viewers. <laughs> I got I'm, really... I was like, fuck. That's what I Adrian thought. Is Adrian Brody <laughs> Rustin Parr's illegitimate child? But no, I don't think so. I think that's going to... Yeah, the priest going to her. The priest does... Uh, so in the dossier, the priest... They do speak to the same priest, Dominic Cazal or whatever. Um, and he leaves the priesthood after hearing Rustin Parr's confession. Really, really? Yeah. Ooh. Heaven. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to. My young heart wanted that romance. Projecting too much. Um, you wanted Rustin Parr to be the heartthrob that people put onto Manson and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. People. All right. Well, I think that's it. We can get out of here properly now. Yep. And we'll be back next week with the Black Books. Bye. 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 Bye.